I had to shake him on my last case, big O don't play. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Muskie Hunks podcast. I'm one of your four hosts this evening, Ryan Reed. We have three other hunks on the line and we have yet another special guest. And I think uh, there's a little there's a little bit of energy on on the call tonight. I'm super pumped about tonight. I feel like we missed a week, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we, we did. missed a week. We got a little extra juice yeah. tonight. So before we get into our guest this evening, who do we have on the phone? We're going to start with the one and only Mr. Donnie, the swanky swank. Good evening, boys. Good evening. You look so spry tonight. Donnie boy. I know it's because he's a bachelor. Like he doesn't have to be quiet. He's got a glow. He's glowing. Look at him. It is a great feeling. (laughs) I I can't lie. I love my wife and I love my daughter, but man, coming home after work today and not having to deal with anything, leave my dishes on the counter, all that shit. <laughs> leave the toilet I'm, seat up. I'm just, I'm in a good mood tonight. You guys can't fucking ruin my day. I can tell you that. <laughs> Flying high. I love it. Oh, it's good to see your smiling face. Good thing, good thing Chelsea doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh yeah, that would yeah, probably wouldn't go over well. I'm sure you'd I feel be fairly certain that she doesn't and won't hear this. She's gonna listen to it on the way home from Texas, and you're gonna be screwed. <laughs> we also have. I'll be having a lot more nights like this. <laughs> <laughs> we also have on the call tonight, Mister Nate Buddha Buddha. Love this show. <laughs> What's up, happening, buddy? Nate Bud? Nothing. Just <laughs> wishing I didn't have a family to, to hang out. I'm just jealous. You can come over and hang out, Nate. Dude, don't, pretty don't fun. threaten me with a good time. I'll <laughs> as be soon back, as I'll this is out. over, if you think I'm even playing, I have my Sega ready to go in the basement as oh, soon as we're done God. here. So if I dip out early... I'm sorry, uh, secret <laughs> guest, but I got some Toad Jam and Earl just calling my name. Dude, oh, battle dude. Toads, unless it's Battle Toads, I'm not coming over. Oh, Battle Toads is a good one, too. <laughs> oh, dude, no, oh, this is we're off the rails. We also have on the phone tonight the one and only Mr. Owen Seaman in Big O's Bucktails. Good evening, gentlemen. Very glad to be here tonight. Good to see your smiling face. What's going Good on over seen. there? In the, what's going over? What's going on there in the in the lab? No, actually, I've been building a bunch of baits recently. Um, and I'm kind of kind of excited because we got this. I don't know if you guys, Ryan, have you decided? Are you going to fish the Chautauqua tournament? Yeah, I'm going to fish it with you. So I just let's, uh, uh, let's do I, a little plug here. We got the chapter sixty nine. Muskie's Inc. 69. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Chapter 69 of Muskie's Inc. is hosting their annual Big Baller Tournament, which is, uh, will be my first time actually participating in any Muskie tournament, so I'm pretty pumped about that. 
but it's just a one day event. It's like from seven to three on Saturday, October 28th, and it's only casting. So that's going to be kind of cool. And it's at Chautauqua Lake, which is uh, obviously big fish water, especially the fall, you know, and so I'm looking forward to that. So uh, anyone that is listening, I'll have a bunch of baits. I'm sponsoring the event. So I'll have a bunch of baits there for the raffle table. Uh, I don't know. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, but it's going to be, it's going to be rough on me, dude. You're going to make me cast for more than like an hour. (laughs) I got the, it's going to be cold. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to want to be casting. No, I'm going to sit there and jig. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit there and jig while you guys cast. I'm just going to be. That's actually not the worst idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. No, that's actually, that's not a bad idea at all. Jig that weed edge. Uh Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So anyway, guys, let's 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 move right in here. We, we've got a guest here that I've been following. We've all kind of been following on Instagram here for a while, and I've been following him on YouTube. And it's a a guy that I I just from watching his YouTube videos, I kind of get the feeling that he he would kind of get is our vibe a little bit. I think he he would feel he will fit in well here. So I want to introduce Kyle Freges from uh, from Wisconsin, right? Uh, technically Minnesota, but okay. I'm in both states. Yep. Yeah. All right. So Kyle, welcome. Welcome to the hunks, the hunks show. Well, first off guys, thanks for having me. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I think I've listened to 85 of these. So when I say good evening, gentlemen, to you all, oh, I wow. very loosely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> point, but yeah. Thanks for having me. Looking so you know awesome, us. Man. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's, low let's get expectations. Like I, I said Wisconsin, <laughs> but you said Minnesota. Like, tell us a little bit about like where, where you're from, just in general. Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up south of the Twin Cities, like 30 minutes. I'm actually halfway between the the Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Rochester. Um, I spend most of my time on the water, kind of in that northern Wisconsin area, a little bit around the Twin Cities metro and some of the surrounding waters, but. Um, where I'm at, it's I'm not really close to anything that's real great. So it's usually two hours in the car anytime I'm headed to the water, and um, I try to make a full day out of it when I can. But, so you do lots of you do mainly like kind of trips. Um, I don't know how you call them trips. I'll usually do pull. I'll pull full days. So I'll get up at three in the morning to get to the lake by sunrise, and then grind all day, and then head back home afterwards. So. And where did, I mean, how did you get started fishing in general? And did you, I, was musky fishing an immediate part of your life or is that something that came on later? No, musky fishing was not an immediate part. It's, uh, I, my story is similar to a lot of others, I think, and just in how they kind of graduate throughout the ranks in terms of fishing, yeah. start with panfish, things of that nature. So, um, I grew up, I, I, I was, I went several years in my childhood without like a, like an immediate father figure. And my grandfather kind of took me under his wing. And when I turned 10, he started taking me on an annual fishing trip, usually right around kind of that end of May, early June, kind of when school would get out for summer or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to say it was like, oh, two or oh, three. I'd have to go back and find some really old photos and like check the date stamps. But he started taking me up to Eagle in Ontario. Um oh big fish waters, like world renowned waters in terms of walleye, lake trout, smallmouth bass, muskies, obviously. And that was always kind of an early spring trip. We tried to get up right around the opener that early June timeframe and, and muskie doesn't open until the third week in June up there. So I, I, and that I sounds really like kinda, black fly season up there. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Black cool. flies, mosquitoes, the whole works. But it was interesting because, you know, we'd do that. We'd fish mostly walleyes. And as a young kid, you know, it's fun to be reeling in walleyes. But then every once in a while, there'd be something a little bigger following the walleye to the boat and things of that nature. And it kind of piques your interest. Um, so I we eventually got to a point where I was in my teens and I started to bring some buddies along. And then we'd take our own boat and we always rented camp boats up there. And we kind of cut our teeth on pike then. So it was a little bit of a shift from the walleyes over to more of the predator, the bigger predator type fish. And early spring is a great time to target pike up there because they're super shallow. They're aggressive. They're fresh off the spawn. They're hungry. Um, and then in 2017, I had a, a career change that didn't allow me to go in the spring anymore. So it, the next best time was kind of that early September timeframe. So what I started doing was um, going up there with my buddies in the fall and that naturally led to kind of that musky transition, right? It's okay. This is the best time to be up here. Fish are on rocks. They're shallow. They're on structure. Um, so we would rent camp boats and we, they didn't have depth of years. They didn't have trolling motors. Um, for those who don't know, Eagle isn't mapped. There's no good map cards for it. So that's it insane. Of, like it was a lot of like, what's the wind been doing for two days, get on a drift back troll through it and cast the hell out of the spot basically um and we had some luck doing that and then obviously the pandemic um kind of hit everybody and we couldn't go up there for a few years and during that time frame I'm like well I'm going to finally pull the trigger on my own boat and start doing some more local stuff and that's kind of when it really took off for me in terms of musky fishing that 2019 2020 kind of year now, range going up to Canada with your grandfather or even when you started going up with your buddies you know what when did the switch turn like was there a fish that that made you you know be like okay this is what i want to do uh either either big pike or muskies um yeah i actually caught my first muskie in 2014 i think it was so i was a little late to the muskie game and like, like i said i didn't really have anybody to get me into it my grandpa's always been a panfish walleye guy when he gets out and um, I caught my first muskie trolling um, a Rapala super shad for pike around a weed edge. And it was like a 34 incher, but it's kind of like, oh, well, that was fun, right? And then yeah. um, in 2016, we were back in a back bay casting for pike. And I had literally caught a 41 inch northern, like five casts before. And then I hooked into a 50 inch muskie and we landed it. And it was oh, out wow. of season, so we had to be really quick about unhooking it and all that stuff. But then after that, it was like, well, this is what I want to do. And it just so happened that after that trip, my kind of career shift took place and I went in the fall. And that's when it all kind of took off for me, I guess. So talking about career shift, like obviously musky shift, musky fishing isn't your career, right? No, no. I have a normal full-time job like most of us but what do you do what do you do for for a living I, i'm in accounting and finance i uh i did the public accounting thing out of college for a few years and then um kind of bounced around various companies and I'm, the company i'm with now i've been with for uh, about six and a half years and uh it was really when i switched companies between 2016 2017 where what i used to do on you could probably relate to this being an attorney i've worked with a lot of attorneys in my life I would do like SEC work. So like all the public filings and stuff for public oh, yeah. would prep those financials and do the accounting work behind that. And um, 
So you're a numbers guy. Yeah. Based on quarter end, it kind of locks in when you're going to be super busy and you can or can't go on these trips. So when I switched companies, quarter end shifted based off fiscal years and um, it kind of forced me to change when I went to Canada and I didn't want to go in July because it's hot and mosquitoes and black flies. Right. That's right. But did you keep going to Eagle and did your grandfather keep going with you? Yep. So my, uh, my grandmother actually was well, she wasn't technically diagnosed at the time, but she was started to lose her memory and she was eventually diagnosed with dementia. So he was, yeah. he was at home um, for a few years there and over the course of the pandemic. So this last year was actually the first year that he came back up there with me. And I think like six or seven years since like yeah. 2016, I think was the last year he was up there. Um, So that was great getting him back up there. He's 87. The fact that he can walk around and move without a can and stuff and get in and out of the boat and run a camp boat and all that is. Oh yeah pretty remarkable but i still can't quite convince him to get out in the boat with me and catch a muskie but one of my goals this year was to get him a, a muskie on a sucker and it, it i think the lakes up here are going through turnover right now or will be in the coming days so hopefully the next couple weekends i can sneak him away for a day and we can put him in the boat on a sucker but we'll see he's he's, he's old cool. and kind of stuck in his ways so he takes a little bit of convincing you know but i know all about that yeah. uh all I'm getting old. I'm getting old faster than I, I care to admit. And I, I, I care to, I'm stuck in my ways. I'm not 87 yet, but holy shit. Uh, it sucks. It sucks when you're old and you're continuing to get old. Like that's the worst part of it. Owen, is like, some of us aren't as old as you. So I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel nearly as bad. So when, did, Kyle, when did you decide to uh, start YouTubing? Uh, Cause you have a YouTube channel called cabin dragon media, right? Cabbage Dragon Media, yep. Um, kind of another funny story. Uh, when they when they lifted some of the border restrictions, I was immediately like, I haven't been to Eagle in two years, three years. Like, I I want to go. Um, and one of my buddies who used to go with me, he's he's not quite as into it. Oh, and you probably appreciate this. He he likes to golf more than he likes to fish. Um, yeah. But he he couldn't come back with me. It didn't work with his schedule. So I was planning on going up there alone. Cause I didn't have anybody else to really go with because I, I never really had, I didn't know a lot of people who would go out musky fishing, let alone go on a trip up to Eagle where there's no lake maps and rocks. Oh and yeah. Dude, that's right. a so, big ask of anybody. I, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And it was, it ended up being short notice when they lifted the restrictions. Right. So I, you know, I was, I told my wife, like, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go up there again. I need to get back up there. Um, and she was like, well, I'll go with you if you want. And I'm like, okay, well, all right. If you're going to extend the olive branch here, I kind of want to film this just because I don't know if I'll ever get you to go back up there. And, and for me personally, like Eagle is the most special place in the world to me. There's just something about the water up there, the way the fish act, the seclusion, your cell phone doesn't work, the whole works, right? So I'm like, I'm going to film this. So I went out and bought a bunch of GoPros off marketplace and stuff and started to mess around with kind of camera set up in the boat and this and that. And I was planning on just making some videos that we could, you know, keep to record those memories. And um, what ended up happening from there was I really liked the camera side of it and the film work and the videography and photography side. And my wife ran a professional photography business on the side for a few years. So we had a lot of like oh, wow. the nicer cameras okay. and stuff already. So it was getting to learn some of that and it just kind of spiraled out of control, if you will. And it's funny now when I look at the content I'm putting out now, it's so much better than what I put out originally. And I think that's just kind of the natural progression and the learning curve behind figuring something out for the first time. 
Yeah. But I look back on some of the stuff I did and it's like, in hindsight, I probably wouldn't have done that. I would have maybe done it a little differently now, but I don't know. It's just kind of evolved and spiraled. And I, I think it's fun and I, it doesn't feel like a job or work to me yet. And you get to kind of document those memories and they last a lifetime then. So it's uh special and exciting in that regard, I guess. Dude, that is the absolute best way to look at YouTube. Like I, I, that is one of the best explanations of why you're doing this. Like I, I can't even like tell you how much I appreciate what you just said, because you guys, uh, we, we talk about this all the time. Like we talk about the, the chest thumping YouTube, you know, warriors out there that, that just so much of it is just clickbait and just, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. Like they're not doing it for, you know, why we would want to capture that stuff on, on video. So dude, kudos to you for that. I really think that is a cool approach to this whole thing. To, to compound kind of on what you said there, Ryan, it's, I'm not doing it to like make a name for myself or like, I tell people that all the time. They're like, why, why are you doing this? Or like, what do you want out of this? What's your end game? And my end game has never been like, I want to do YouTube full time. My end game's never been, I want to be known in the musky industry. My end game's never been like, I want to dump my chest at the big fish I catch and post clickbait titles and stuff like that. And if people want to do it, that's fine. That's just not my style. It's never been, right. my style. I don't like being the center of attention or the spotlight. So even like being in this situation's different for me. Right. But um, in terms of the podcast, but um, for me, it's like when we were on Eagle this year, my wife, which I'm sure we'll touch on destination trips and stuff like that at some point through this podcast, but she stuck an awesome fish. Her first I wanted one. to get to, yeah, I was going to get to that I mean, because it, I mean, just an awesome story. Yeah, go ahead. So you might it, as well go ahead and get into that now. Well, and it's, it's, it's just an awesome fish, but I think to kind of wrap up my thought on YouTube, it's like, now I have that. I have that memory documented and saved. And um, I, I can think back on all the trips I went up to Eagle and like, you got a couple crappy photos. If you even still have the cell phone that you took the pictures on back in the day or printed them off or whatever. And now once you sit down and force yourself to capture that videography work and make a video out of it, post it somewhere where it can last forever, then it just, it really sticks at that point. And it, um, I find myself going back and watching stuff because not only is it like great to have the memories, but you can learn a ton from that, which I'm sure we'll touch on at some point, but you want me to, jump into the well, well i mean her fish or yeah i mean because you obviously eagle's a special place for you um nate and i talk often you know just between the two of us you know you f- kind of find a place that is special to you nate's been going to lake nipissing for 35 years with his dad i don't have that much history up there but you know i feel that strongly about that area where other people feel the exact same way about areas like Lake of the Woods or Lac Sewell or, you know, these other, you know, amazing bodies of water. But I can totally understand it, like how you kind of just fall in love with with the entire area and the the ambiance, the aura of 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 the remoteness and everything, man. Yeah, it's the for me, it's the seclusion. I mean, it's, I mean, like my cell phone's sitting right here, right? Like we're, we're sitting here on laptops doing this. It's, you're so connected to everything that it's like one of the few places left on earth where you can just put all that aside and just focus on what's immediately in front of you, which we don't do enough of today, in my opinion. And 
going up there, it's like such a, like a recharge the battery moment, which is why I was going to go by myself. Like I said, post pandemic, it was like, I haven't been up there in three years. I got to get up there and recharge the batteries and just spend some time on the water. And there's, there's just something about like, you know, it's fun to get out on the weekends and trailer your boat someplace and put it in the water. And then you got a trailer at home, make sure everything's plugged in and make sure everything's organized and you don't forget anything. But there's something about being able to just walk out of a cabin at four in the morning and it's glass calm and there's a little bit of fog on the water and your boat's already sitting next to the dock. And all you got to do is unplug the power, <laughs> untie it and go like that is special. And I think everybody should take the opportunity to go on a trip where you can do that and just walk out there and go and explore for the day and let it be adventurous and try and figure it out. Cause that's, that's the fun part of this sport is trying to figure it out. It's not the 58 inch muskies that you catch. Like that's the cherry on top, right? It's, it's the whole adventure surrounding those trips and getting out there and making those memories. So couldn't agree more, man. You're speaking the language right now, Kyle. Absolutely. Like, couldn't agree more. Crap, well, I, I mean, we've all, we've all done, everybody on this call has done destination trips, right? Like once you do that, it changes how you view fishing. Cause it's just, it's just the, it's next level going and doing a trip like that. It is. It makes it, makes it hard to fish locally. Honestly, I couldn't agree more. Like I, that's one of the reasons why, I I have always had a hard time gearing myself up to fish locally because my entire mindset has always been even from a, as a little kid like yeah my dad would take me locally to fish but it, that wasn't our thing like our thing was going to Canada for a week for 10 days you know and it was like we would spend more time prepping for those 10 days then, you know, that we could have been out fishing, I guess, you know, but it was more like the the enjoyment of the entire process. I mean, my dad would plan out every single meal for our trips, man. And I mean, it was like we would go to Dick's Sporting Goods and buy every shad wrap size five, seven and nine. You could like we would buy the entire place out, man. And just just in preparation for these seven days up in Canada. And it was just like life life-changing times well it's it's the whole trip right it's the 15 stops you have to make on the way up like when i go with my grandfather i swear we stop every hour and a half grab breakfast here stop and get ice cream there like it's just unreal but it's in the moment it's like well i want to get up there and fish right but it on the flip side you look back on that and like that's part of the adventure of the whole it is and it's funny because nick and i talk about that every time we go to nipissing now like he and I have established kind of a routine. We stop at the exact same places every time up. Like we stop at the same dispensary. We stop at the same Bass Pro shops. We stop at the same beer distributor. You know, beer distributor. We, you know, it, it's it's become a matter of routine, and it's like you almost you enjoy that part of it. You know, if that, as as dumb as that sounds. Yeah, for sure. Couldn't well, agree more. There's something about those those destination trips too that it's like an immersive experience. I mean, because you you can't escape it for for better or for worse, you know. Like, but it's it's like learning a language or something like that. You're you're stuck in it and you're like submerged. And it, there's a lot to be learned from that. I mean, that that's something that that is special. I mean, if you can do it and you can pull off the resources to make it happen, that that does change fishing a lot. I yeah. I, I love that you said. For better or worse. <laughs> well, yeah, you learn. Well, I mean, we you've talked about it on here. We've, we've talked together about it. I mean, you learn a lot about yourself when you're on like day six of like, you know, just getting your ass kicked. <laughs> like you, you learn a lot. 
Oh, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. You figure out who you are in the heat of those moments. And I, I mean, these fish are hard enough to catch as it is. And then when you put more and more pressure on yourself each day that goes by where you're just not having uh, success and you're trying to figure yeah. it out and it's one thing goes wrong and it, you just got to make sure you keep your cool and, and eventually it's going to go right. You just hope it's while you're still on the trip and you don't run out of time, but it, it can so, be, it can be a grind. There's no doubt about that. So I want to hop right in here into one of your videos and it is, it's your, the day six of your Lake of the Woods thing. Uh, and okay. So for our listeners, they should probably just go check out, obviously go check out your YouTube channel, but you did kind of a, a, you know, a Lake of the Woods vlog series of you and your buddy Jaime, right? Yep. Jaime. Yep. For our American friends, uh, that's spelled like Jamie, but pronounced Jaime because he's Spanish. Uh, so you guys, you know, kind of, I mean, you, you put together a, a video series on this. And one of the videos that really caught my attention was your this day six and or no, actually, it was like, I think it was your last day, but you talk about day six. Is it, So, and correct me if I'm wrong there, but it, it's, we're talking about how you can feel pressure when you're on a trip like this. And just the way you cut the video to begin with, like your little, you know, monologue, you could kind of feel that you got, that you were feeling a little bit of pressure at that point. And then you cut directly, like you don't go into this, all this bullshit, anything like that. Like you cut directly to look at what happened. And, you know, the things that happened were you missed a couple of fish. But then the last one that was pretty much in the net and somehow ended up getting out. And, dude, the the tension and the frustration, it was palpable in the video. I mean it, man. And like you and Jaime both kept your cool, but it was clear that, man, it had been, it had been a long trip and like, it's tough when it doesn't happen. And you, when you guys got that close to making it happen and man, I'm telling you, dude, I could like feel it. It was, uh, it was one of those moments where you just need a minute, you know? And, and the crazy thing is, is you hear about all these stories of people going to Lake of the Woods and, five fish a day in the boat, seven right. fish a day in the boat. You see 25 fish, this and that. I mean, it's, there's no better body of water to cut your teeth on musky fishing right now than Lake of the Woods. You are going to see fish. They, they don't act like lake fish. They act like river fish. They're very predictable. They're always sitting in eddies or in, in the current. And we went up there with high expectations. I mean, Jaime's a good stick. Um, I like to think I've picked up a thing or two over the years and we went up there thinking, you know, we're going to really put some numbers in the boat and that this is going to be a lot of fun. And yeah. um, what ended up happening was about the day before we went up there, there was a big storm that rolled through and there was a really, really, really bad cold front where water temps dropped like 11 degrees and Canadian shield fish for whatever reason, just shut off when that happens. And what we realized pretty quickly was like, this is going to be tough. And we were messaging with people on other areas of the lake and stuff. And it was tough for them too. And some areas were better, like more of the stained uh, kind of water sections of, of the woods kind of held the heat a little bit better. But what we realized really quickly was like, okay, these fish are sitting out of the wind. They're sitting 
on south-facing structure because they're absorbing the heat from the sun all day because of such a drastic drop in the water temps. And that's what we're going to do. And we found them, but we could not get them to eat. And I, I'm sure, you know, we both probably screwed stuff up both sides and whatnot. I, I never claimed to be the best at the boat, but it was days of just exhaustion, grinding it out. I think Jaime caught one on day three. So we had been at it for like, you know, almost two full days at that point, caught one, lost a couple others. Um, he caught one at the end of day four. So we grinded a full another day before we actually got a fish in the boat. And then I ended up sticking two on day um, five, I think it was. No, sorry. Day four, I stuck two. He stuck one on at the end of day three and at the end of day two. Um, and then we got to day five and it was like the cold front got worse. And all we were catching were like giant pike, which I still think is fun. Like 40 inch pike to me are fun. I, I'll take it, but it's not the target species. But no, but um, at least it gets your adrenaline pumping and, you know, it, it it's definitely more fun than not catching anything. That's I like to describe it as it, it breaks up the day a little bit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, a little bit of action here, a little bit of action there. But yeah, we got to day five and it was like, we're like, this is just not, this isn't working. This isn't what Lake of the Woods should be, you know, and you get to day six and on day six, we had flat, calm, bluebird and like 75 degrees all day, just like the, the worst possible conditions in a cold front on Lake of the Woods. And we tried to fish some new stuff and we had a few lazy chasers and whatnot. And, uh, we, we kind of moved back to some of the stuff we knew and we started moving fish again and they were starting to kind of heat up and, um, we ended up losing one at the boat earlier in the day. And then the one you, you brought up on was, was a tough one. Cause that was a, that was probably a mid forties fish. And we had had her up to the boat. Oh man. I don't know, like three or four days in a row. And she, she would only follow on a suic. Um, I was going to ask you if that was, if that was a suic that you were throwing or something else, I didn't yeah, want to say I, what else I thought it might be, but good. I like to buy I like, I love Suix. Um, it's probably a fault of mine. I probably lean on them too heavily, but I, I basically completely remodify them. I buy them and completely disassemble them and change them. And then they work a lot better in my opinion. Um, but I, what, what, what the fish kept doing was when I'd bring it into the eight, I'd stop with a death rise and normally they show themselves, but they weren't showing themselves there. They were following deep. So then when I'd bring it into the first turn kind of deep and hang it, they'd pop on it, but they wouldn't commit. So this fish had done that for like three or four days in a row, multiple times throughout the trip. And I said to Jaime, I'm like, we have to change the casting angle on this fish. We have to move around from the structure, sneak in there and cast out into the open water and bring it back. And I think it was like the third cast she, she ate. And uh, it was one of those situations where all of that buildup from the frustration and everything. And you finally, we finally got a good fish. It was going to be the best fish of the trip at that point. And fighting her to the boat, fighting her to the boat, go to pull her into the net. And I stepped back and, and Jaime's boat at the time, he bought a new one recently, but it was, it's not a angler version. So the casting deck doesn't extend through the windshield with like your rod locker. So it had like the platform you can add. Well, I went to step back and I thought there was more platform there and there wasn't. I slipped and I tripped. And when I did that, I kind of jerked the rod up and the hook popped as the fish was like three quarters of the way in the bag. And he was in the process of lifting and she kicked her tail and just out she went. And it was, it was one of those situations where it's nobody's fault, you know, and it just sucks because you grinded so hard for that fish. And 
and Jaime mm-hmm. was trying really hard. Like he, oh man, I could tell. Well, like he almost fell in. Like you, yeah, you, I had to grab. Like you could tell shirt. you had to grab his shirt to, to, to keep him from falling in. He was going in. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, it's one of those just shit that happens when you're musky fishing. I don't know how else to describe it, but yeah, on those destination trips, you work so hard for that moment, and then to come up just short puts a little bit of a damper on it, to say the least. But I think it says a lot to. I guess you and Jaime that you both kept it cool, you know, like that was that very easily could have been, you know, kind of an uglier situation in a sense. And because, I mean, obviously if you're out there on day one, it's one thing, but if you're on day five, six of a trip like that, like you're really in the territory of nerves fraying, you know, and, and the fact that you two, kept it together and you you were, were reasonable about it and understanding. I think that says a lot about kind of who you guys are as anglers. Yeah. And I, and you know, to that point, losing your cool isn't going to do you any good in a situation like that. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about that trip on was that was the first time Jaime and I had really, really fished together. We'd gone out a couple times for like shorter trips on the weekend and stuff, but when you're in the boat with somebody for seven days, um, that's a lot of close interactions. Right. And, um, when you get in, when you get in kind of the heat of that moment, there's all you can do is keep your cool. Um, I have a ton of respect for him. I think he would say the same thing about me and there's no point in kind of losing it in the moment there. And we had other fish to go back on and we figured if that was the start of a bite window, maybe we'd have another opportunity, but just didn't work out that way. Unfortunately. Well, that's interesting because Nick and I, whenever back in 2021, the first year after the pandemic that we were able to go back out up there, like Nick and I, we barely knew each other. We didn't have the, we didn't have the podcast. Like we didn't have any of this stuff back then. And, and, you know, and I even said to him, I'm like, dude, if you don't want to go, I totally get it. Cause at that point I already, I had already made two trips to Lake Nipissing by myself, just totally solo. And I was like, dude, if you don't want to go, like, I totally get it. And he was like, no, man, like, let's do it. And we fished for seven days together. We didn't know much about each other. And it turned out, like, luckily, we got along extremely well. And, you know, we, we, you know, we just turned out to be pretty good fishing partners. But I guess it very easily could have turned out the other way. And it could have been an absolute disaster of a week. If you get stuck there with someone that is an asshole you know, whatever, you know, you just do not get along with. And, and there you are stuck in the middle of nowhere with them on a boat. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a risky take when you kind of gamble and, and jump in the boat with somebody for seven days that you don't really know. And you hear some horror stories about that, but um, I like to think, you know, I've been pretty fortunate um, to meet over the past couple of years, some, some pretty good people in the industry. And what I, what I like about your guys's podcasts is it's so relatable and people feel like they can get to know you. And I feel like you guys kind of portray like there's, I don't, I don't want to call it like a group of nobodies that's kind of coming up in the musky industry, but it's not the names you've heard of for years and years and years. seems like there's a good group of kind of like um, newish faces. And, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to go to the musky battle this year. And then last year as well, where I got to meet a lot of those people and develop some of those friendships. And, um, 
the, the folks on that go to the musky battle are, are all really good people and I'd be happy to jump in the boat with any of them. So I, I felt pretty comfortable going up to Lake of the Woods with Jaime that like we're, we'll gel and we'll get this figured out and um, things will be all right for seven days. And that's how it worked out. So when Donnie went to the musky battle for the first time, you did that, right? You you hopped in a boat with Mike Conklin and it turned out to be a blast. And, you know, Mike was one of the earlier guests on this podcast and he was just an awesome time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> it's uh, I've been pretty fortunate with that too. I've been set up with a number of uh, blind date musky trips or whatever you want to call it <laughs> over the years. And so far uh, I think everybody that I've fished with uh, I've maintained a pretty good relationship with, we've had some fun. Um, I can't, I don't know that they would say the same, but I'd like to think so. <laughs> oh, we say the same. We'll say the same about you, Swanky. I wasn't talking about you. Well, we had a blind date too at some point. <laughs> yeah, I guess we did. That's true. <laughs> I mean, I think that's kind of, it's something about the musky world. That's for sure. That, you know, we've all met kind of organically you know, through Muskie's Inc. and whatnot. And, you know, as that's they would kind say of how, in the IT world, as, yeah, in, in the biz, uh, you know, but that's kind of how a lot of these relationships happen. I got to just say this about uh, organically. I did send you guys a recent text message where my security director used the term where he said, we're going to let this configuration just happen organically. Organically. I loved it. Freaking died laughing. Dude, it, at work, people been saying natural consequences way too often. And it's kind of, in the you know, organically natural consequences <laughs> organically happen. All I ever say is you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Step into my office. You're That's fucking you fired. It's all Don't you do. Let the door hit you in the ass. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's let, let's let's go on to you. So you fish the musky battle. This is your second year fishing the musky battle. Yep. Yep, second year. And th this year, like, did you fish it? Well, let's back up. What kind of boat do you run now? You said you bought a new one during the pandemic. Like, what what kind of boat do you have? And is that oh. what you fished with in the musky battle? Yeah, well, it's it's new to me. It's not a new one. It's a 99 uh, Alumacraft. It's got a okay. side console. Um, I, I wanted it specifically because I didn't want to invest a ton of money at the time into the sport. Um and I, I got a pretty good deal on it pre-pandemic and whatnot, looking back on it now. But I wanted the side council to kind of try it out because I figured there would come a point where I'd have three in it fishing, and it works out really well for that. Like this past year on Eagle, I had my buddy and my wife on the front deck. Um, and then I usually fish out of the back to let other people have kind of that first shot at the fish or whatever. But um, I fished with my boat last year. I fished with SG Angling last year was my partner and we struggled. I, I don't spend a ton of time in Northern Minnesota and he certainly doesn't. So it was, uh, it was a struggle last year for sure. And it was late October and, um, weeds were dying off and we were probably fishing a little bit too shallow, but this year I was actually with my buddy Tyler, who I met organically, if you will, <laughs> at a boat ramp. And it's funny how, how that just works out, but I met him at a boat ramp, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And I would say he's probably my number one boat partner in terms of when I get out locally to do some serious fishing. Um, otherwise it's my wife or I do a lot of solo stuff. I just 
not everybody's on my schedule. Not everybody wants to wake up at two in the morning and drive three hours and grind it out all day yeah. and then drive home and get no sleep and do it all again on Sunday. Um, so we use his boat. He's got a, he bought a brand new 19 foot, uh, Lumacraft competitor full windshield, which was pretty cool. nice. And after fishing in Jaime's boat on Lake of the Woods for a week, fishing on mine, um, in mine on Eagle for a week and then fishing out of Tyler's, I'm like, I, I'm probably going to have to upgrade sooner or later here. I'm getting a little spoiled jumping everybody else's boat, but what time he fished? Was that a Ranger he's got? So he, uh, he had a Lund crossover when we were on the woods and he sold it and bought a Lund Pro V glass just recently, oh. which is a, it's pretty nice. It is pretty nice to say the least, but wow. I, that's a, that's a heck of an investment. I mean, geez, oh man, I always think to myself, Especially if you guys living in Minnesota, I mean, what what is the legitimate time frame of being able to use your boat? I mean, you know, ice out is May. It, it depends on what you want to fish for. Like if you're doing muskies, you're in Minnesota. You're basically June to early November most of the time. Um, if you're if you're going to do more multi species stuff, like you can get on the Mississippi in February March, depending on the pool you go on um, between the dams and whatnot. So there's, there's opportunities to use it, but yeah, you're limited by the winter for sure. And and kind of the ice conditions and whatnot. Um, but it, yeah, it, it, it can be an investment. I know Owen, we traded some messages a little bit when you were talking about the tracker and whatnot. And, um, I, I think it's, I think it's the right decision to kind of get into what you're comfortable with affording for a little while and figuring out what you like and don't like before you really kind of jump into a serious investment. So I think you handled that exactly right. I think, you know, a lot of musky fishing is about kind of taking it step by step if you're going to do it right. You know, you see people that that want to jump into it and buy the $60,000 boat and all the electronics and everything and they don't they haven't, you know, put a lot of time in and there's there's something to be said with kind of taking it step by step and learning like okay, this works for me, this doesn't work for me, this is what I like, this is what I don't like and doing it in that way obviously i think we all would like to be able to just go out and buy uh a 19 foot lund you know or whatever at, at at any point but realistically you know that's it's just i got three kids that i'm going to have to put through college you know that's the that's the fact of the matter <laughs> you know it's and i there there are constantly factors in life that you have to take into consideration that you know, you don't see on YouTube or Instagram or any of these other social media platforms. I mean, I would hate to see how many of these people are just in debt up to their eyeballs because of these because of these boats they've that they've financed and and you know gone gone in debt for. So I have a lot of respect for people that take the time and just like, hey, I don't need to go do that right now. I can take the time and figure it out. You know, the there's something else interesting too with the boat thing. Like I've had a number of people and you guys know, like my, my little Alumacraft is not, it's not a very big boat. Like it's, it, it is working absolutely perfectly for me based on the way I fish. But like, I was thinking about all, I've had so many people tell me like you bought a smaller boat and that boat is actually perfect for the water you fish. Right. Like, and I started thinking about this and the more I fish like our lakes here in the reservoirs, like. I realize like it is the perfect boat to trailer for me, you know, like I, I just think you don't necessarily 
you don't necessarily need to jump into a bigger boat right away. You don't need that most expensive thing out there. You don't need all the gadgets and like all, you know, it's just, it really does everything you guys are talking about. It speaks to that because I'm kind of living that right now. And the more I fish in my boat, I realize like how perfect it is, even though it's, you know, it's not as nice, like as some of these other boats out there. Ryan trailering is a, is a, 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 a very good thing to bring up because it's a very unsexy topic to talk about. But if you buy a big boat, like you very well may have to go buy a new car and <laughs> no, buy, buy a bigger truck, you know, to be able to actually trailer that thing. I mean, there are factors that come into play. If you don't have a, a full size truck, you're not in the market to go buy a, a, a 19 yeah. foot Ranger or a 19 foot Lun with a, a, dual you know dual axle trailer you know it's you that's not gonna happen well, yeah yeah exactly my frontier you know i'm not pulling i might not even be able to pull donnie's boat with my truck i don't know maybe right. so so are you gonna you, then you're gonna go finance a sixty thousand dollar ford f-150 mm-hmm. in order to, to trailer your brand new uh you know lund a hundred and fifty thousand dollars in financing right there I'll tell you who's winning there. It ain't the muskies. It's the fucking bank. Yeah. Well, and, and everybody's situation is obviously different in terms of financials and where they're at in life and family benefits and things of that nature. But for me, the big thing that went into buying an older boat was I didn't want to invest the money at the time. But like I said, Eagle isn't mapped and I got to hit a few more rocks with oh, yeah. before I oh, go yeah. and invest in something nice and shiny that I actually care about. Right. So oh, it's, yeah. and I, I take good care of my boat, but it's, there's just a lot of that lake that's uncharted and I haven't touched. And I, I know the areas that I spend most of my time on pretty well. And I've kind of figured it all out over the years and camp boats, luckily. Um, but yeah, I, for me, it's like, I'd like to get a couple more years out of mine and really get that place auto charted real well and mark some of the hazards before I invest in a glass boat. But then on the flip side, I look at it and I go, I'll probably go to a shield lake at least two weeks a year for the rest of my life, just because I, I just like catching these fish. I like the whole adventure. I like figuring it out. I like the nostalgia of thinking about the year prior. I like the seclusion. I like all of it, everything that goes along with it. Um, and, and to spend all that money and gas to get up there and resort fees and all of that to have an aluminum boat and get blown off the water on windy days and stuff isn't great either. So at some point I'll probably step into a glass boat and like our Eagle trip this year, the last three days of the trip, it was, 30, 35 mile an hour winds and there was nowhere to get out of it. We actually spent a whole day trolling, which is something I rarely do. I know you guys do a lot more of that than um, maybe some of the folks in Minnesota and Wisconsin do, but it, it was just impossible to navigate it in my boat, even with the drift sock and the trolling motor running in reverse, trying to fish through the spots. It was just, it was too much to handle. So there's some of those considerations too, but you got to, you have to just look at the big picture and say, what do I really need? Because my boat's really good for a lot of the skinny water stuff I do locally but when I take it up to an eagle or a lake of the woods, it's so it, I guess, underperforms, especially in wind. So it kind of boggles my mind that Eagle Lake remains uncharted. So Navionics does not have any type of a, a map. Hummingbird, nobody has a map for Eagle Lake. Well, I heard I heard Lock Sewell and Eagle were being mapped last summer and this summer by Hummingbird and I think Navionics as well. So that'll I'm a little torn on it 
I mean, some of it's good because it'll at least give you confidence kind of running through new areas. But on the flip side, it's secrets don't really stay secrets when the map cards come out. Um, and like I've like it's so crazy. I talked about how I went. We went up there in camp boats and we would just wind drift or back troll and move the boat a little bit and just really pick spots apart. And the first year I went up there and fished some of those spots with my own boat with auto chart and having like just 2D sonar as a starting point. It's like, holy cow, like, why were we ever casting this? No wonder we never saw a fish here. There's nothing to hold a fish here. So you like really learn the lake in, in that regard. So, I mean, I literally right to my left, I've got, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the like plastic fishing hotspots maps. They fold up and stuff. I got them extended oh, yeah. on the wall right here. And I have years and years and years of every weed bed I've ever found on Eagle marked every rock reef, every spot that we've caught muskies. Yeah, exactly. I've literally got it right on the wall right here just dialed out i got little markers here that i i literally i got a legend on the map i use these markers i mark them up and like that's gonna be to a certain degree for for nothing in a sense once the lake map comes out i mean you still have to go out there and figure it out and find it but that's part of the fun of going to eagle is the adventure of figuring it all out so there is a fishing hot spots map I mean, that would, I mean, just looking at the one that I'm looking at here, which was a gift of my good friend, Nate Bud there. Um, I mean, it seems it's almost like an avionics chart. Yeah, this one has, they're 10 foot contours, so it's not super detailed. Oh, yes. Okay, this is, this is like three foot contours. So it's. Yeah, there's a, there's an Ontario card with Eagle on it, but it's, it's. 10 foot contours on there and it's got some of the main hazards marked um and for the most part like most of the skinny water sections of the lake or lakes where there's resorts by them have a lot of the reefs marked and stuff but it's when you kind of get off the beaten path that you gotta kind of know what you're doing a little bit but it's not as as everybody makes it out to seem like everybody talks about it like you're gonna crush rocks and i i'm sure on the southeastern end of the lake that i don't spend a bunch of time i've heard it's worse out there but the areas i spend which is mostly kind of the central main basin up all the way through the west arm um those areas are pretty well marked for the most part and how far uh, like how far of a commute is that up there i mean what what type of a dra- travel is that oh i would say with border crossing and everything i can be from my house to the resort in like eight and a half nine hours depending on construction things of that nature the, the similar part is once you turn off kind of the main lake to head across the northern part of Eagle, you get on gravel and it's it's pretty rough going back through the woods all the way back to the resort. Like the resort I stay at, I've stayed there for 20 years and um, they run generator power there. Like they don't have electrical. They're that far out there that oh, wow. it, it gets a little rough. That last stretch, you got to take it a little slow with the boat. Less thing you need to do is bust a leaf spring or something out in the middle of nowhere. So. Luckily, I know I know Glenn McDonald now. He and I started exchanging messages this spring, and he's not too far from there, so I'm sure I could give him a call if I ever needed a hand up there, which is kind of nice to have that peace of mind. But yeah, yeah, man, Glenn's a good dude. Glenn Glenn really knows that area very well. He's there's not many people I would I would trust better than Glenn McDonald up in that area, man. Agree, agree. He knows what he's doing. I didn't realize Eagle Lake's that big. It's huge. It's big. Yeah. It's 68,000. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting because it gets skinny in places and 
there's there's locations on it with a ton of islands and rock complexes and things of that nature but then there's some pretty big open basins like i, I know where brian scaife goes um that's a lot of big water out in kind of his area um of the lake and it's it's very different out there like every basin on that lake like if you basically took all the skinny water sections and you kind of drew a line in each one of them and separated the basins they're all different and they all hold different calibers of fish um, there's big fish everywhere in the lake but there's some that have more pronounced big fish and um, there's some sections of it that have water clarity at 20 feet and there's other sections where it's you know less than five so um, it depends on what you want to do when it's bluebird and stuff, go find the weeds in the dark water. And then when you got those overcast days with a little bit of chop on the water, that's when you want to be in the clear stuff, trying to find a giant, but keeps it fun. Now, do you ever fish with, have you ever fished with a guide up there? I haven't. No, no that gets kind of back to the adventure side of it. Like nothing against the guide. I, I actually think if it's your first time up there and you don't know the water well, that can be a really good way to get started and get on patterns. I've kind of gotten to the point where like I know where the fish are generally going to be when I'm up there. And I, I just like figuring it out. Like, I think that's fun, even though the grind is tough. Like that's the fun for me is kind of the, the learning aspect of it and trying to get on a pattern and figure it out for the week. I, I got a question about this. This is going to sound ridiculous to you guys. All right. So we talk about like personalities, right? Like I'm, I've always been really big on like the disc assessment. You know, like the nerdy corporate disc assessment where you sit in a room with 12 people, 15 people, and you take a personality test. Like, do you feel like, because I would, I would guess like most, and it's probably not everybody, but most people that are into numbers, like you with the accounting stuff, they have a very like analytical mind, right? Like, do you feel like you would kind of fall into that? And is that part of you know, wanting to figure it out. Right. Cause like everybody's different. Like I might, I might go up there and maybe I want to get a guide just to spend a week up there because maybe I don't want to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. maybe it's, it's fun for me to get, get out there and just, and see it. And, and it's just a little different approach, but like, do you feel like that's part of, do you feel like you have like an analytical mind for sure? Oh, there's probably no doubt I do given what I do for work and whatnot. I, I don't know. I, I, it's probably less about maybe that and more about just what you want to get out of the trip, right? If your goal is to get on fish, then getting a guide for a day and a half or whatever to kind of figure out the pattern and figure it out. It's a good thing. I mean, I've thought about it. I, I really did. I thought about it the year I took my wife up there um, when it was just her and I in 2020 or sorry, not 2020, uh, 2022. Um, I, I really thought about getting a guy, Cal Ritchie's up there. Um, he would be a good one. Um, I'm sure Glenn would help us get on a pattern too, if we ever wanted to get out in the boat with him and whatnot. Um, but I, there's something about that lake where it's like, I've been going up there for so long. And I would say when I really started taking it seriously for muskies is post pandemic, when I had my own boat and I could map and I could really learn spots really well had my own trolling motor can kind of position the boat properly and for me it's like i want to figure that lake out on my own and that's just my mentality i want to go out there and grind it out until i figure this lake out and then i can say i did it kind of a thing um but i have nothing against getting a guide and it's something i would consider 
on another body of water. Like if I went to Lac Sewell, I would get a guide for sure for the first day or two. So I think it's circumstantial, but it's probably personality driven too, to a certain extent. I mean, having 30 years on a body of water, that's, you know, that's different than just going to a body of water and trying to fit it, you know, find fish. That's yeah. a, so I, I certainly understand that. Yeah. I just, the reason I asked, I find it interesting because like, we're all different to certain extents and I, I kind of, I'm with you for 99% of that because I, I think part of that journey is like, that's what it's about, man. It's not really about catching fish at times. Like it's about all the stuff you guys talked about getting out there, doing it yourself, but just being out there, you know, free from the electronics and, and kind of the very basic, you know, just, I don't even know what I want to say here, but like just fishing, getting out there away from everything and fishing. So yeah, I don't know. It's cool. Well, let me ask you, I think the going on a destination trip is one thing going on a destination trip with your wife is a totally different thing. How was that experience? Assuming, I don't know whether she's going to listen to this or not. None of our wives listen. So we pretty much have free reign to, you know, say what we want, but I'm, I'm my assuming... wife's listening downstairs. I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming she's she always me. listening. <laughs> yeah. I should, I should be in pound town where it's off limits, but I'm not sorry. I, uh, I, I, I'm assuming she can hear me from the other room, but, um, no, I'm I'm very 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 blessed. My wife is uh she's an outdoors woman. Um when I I met her um she was very very big into bow hunting. She still is, but moving yeah. to Minnesota with me and kind of where we live, we don't have as much opportunity down here to get out and kind of do that stuff around where we live. So she's actually I think for the Wisconsin muskie battle that's coming up next week, which we can touch on towards the end of this or whatever, but um, she's actually going to come out, I think, and film for a day and jump in all the different boats and stuff. We're going to do one day where we're all on the same lake as a group. Um, so she she loves to do that stuff. Now, fishing was new to her. The first time she really went out seriously fishing was that Eagle Lake trip. And if there's one piece of advice I can give to people who are taking their significant other out and want it to be fun for them and stuff is like lots of breaks you know, break it up, give them baits that are easy to throw, bear with them. Um, everybody's learning at a different rate. Right. And she can, she's great with the bait caster. It's unbelievable. But the other thing that she would tell you is that there's gotta be a lot of snacks in the boat to keep her entertained throughout the day and whatnot. We're um, a big boat snack. We're a big, yeah. the, a big fan of the boat snacks here on the podcast. What's, what's the, what's the, what kind of boat snacks we talking about here real quick? <laughs> you know, I got to get into this. So, well, you guys might be a little disappointed. My wife is kind of a health nut. Um, so it's a lot of fruits and protein bars and things of that nature. And I, like, I, she thinks I'm weird. I don't eat on the boat. Like, I'm like a machine. Like, when we were on Eagle this year, I was up at four in the morning getting ready to get out on the water. So as soon as it's legal to start fishing up there because you can't fish after dark, I was on the water and I basically really? threw and, like, I don't, I don't eat on the boat, but she, she likes to snack and, and take breaks and stuff. Um, That's new to me. I didn't know that you couldn't fish after dark up there. Is that oh, just a man. local, uh, an Eagle Lake thing? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if it's, I, I'm assuming it's related to the walleye population in there. Um, I, I don't know all the details behind it. Glenn would probably huh. know better than me, but it's actually kind of, I mean, it's, it's good and bad. It's good because you know, your day is structured. Like I have these 12 hours, 10 hours, whatever it is, depending on the time of the year you're up there to get out and grind. The downside is when the bite's tough, or if you go on the full moon, like you wish you were out there after dark, especially if you start moving some of those bigger fish that are lazy and aren't maybe necessarily as committal at the boat, you can probably get them to go after dark out there, but you can't fish. And it's actually funny because I saw a YouTube video of guys fishing after dark on Eagle this year, and I'm surprised they haven't been pulled down yet for that. But that's interesting. I don't know that I've ever heard heard of a uh fishing at, uh, you know restriction on dark fishing after dark yeah I, i'm not exactly sure but i think it has to do with the walleye population in there but yeah no uh, other than that i mean to kind of conclude on bringing your wife on a trip like that like it's good um i like i said i'm super blessed that she's willing to do stuff like that and um she has kind of shared interest with me i'm i'm very fortunate in that regard so it wasn't bad at all i mean there's there's a little bickering in the boat as you can probably imagine with marital disputes and things of that nature that happen around right. the house they they translate over to the boat for sure right <laughs> um no it was pretty cordial and it was a good time and it's 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 special to get her to go on on those trips with me for sure do you guys have kids nope not yet not yet all right well that's that's important that she's into that type of stuff because then you know i i've found that my wife has always been very receptive to me taking the kids outdoors because she wasn't an out, she, you know, she wasn't into fishing or anything, but she grew up on a farm and she certainly understands the the value of being outdoors, but you get, you know, I, there's a lot of people that just don't have much exposure to that, you know, especially out here, we're out East, you know, with the you know, city folk here in, in Pittsburgh, you get, a, you don't get a lot of, women that have exposure to outdoors activities, if that's fair to say. Yeah. It doesn't happen organically is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. not organically. <laughs> we got a bunch of, we got a bunch of cigarettes smoking, beer slinging Western Pennsylvania gals over here. Here we go. You pick them up down there at Donzies. Pick them up down there at Donzies. <laughs> Laura from Denora. <laughs> Mona from Verona too. <laughs> I, I gotta say this because nobody knows our game that we play every once in a while. There'll be just like long text message strings for like four hours, and it'll literally just be like women's names in towns around Pittsburgh, but <laughs> random towns. This like spurred random. out of a real. This spurred out of a real thing. A lady yeah. asked my buddy if she she said tell tell Paulo Mona from Verona said hi. Mona <laughs> from Verona. <laughs> Then we were like Jane from Duquesne, Jill Jane from Polish Duquesne. Hill. Oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> hours it goes on for hours. Listen, back to your no boat snacks. I I respect that. As as Ryan <laughs> Let's Reed get this said, back on track. <laughs> well, Ryan Reed says musky fishing is about efficiency, and if you don't eat or drink anything, you don't have to go to the bathroom. You can, that's five more casts across your day. That's correct. <laughs> This is why. Why don't, you, why don't you just wear For a me, diaper? It's like that's yeah, like the like the lady, the lady, <laughs> lady that went to the, go with the killer, with the killer with, guy. Yeah, yeah, wore the diaper and traveled across. That yeah, you wasn't she do an that. astronaut or some crazy yeah. shit like that? 
If she can do that, you can do it on a boat and troll all day. It all comes down to who wants it more. You don't even need to stop. You just troll at five miles an hour and just pee while you're trolling. Like <laughs> I've literally watched people. I shouldn't even say this. I've literally not. Wa- I shouldn't say I physically watched them, but I know of scenarios where people have done a twosy off the back of the boat trolling at four and a half to five miles an hour. We've heard stories. Mm-hmm. I, my friend Dave in Minnesota, cool. I'm not going to say, yeah, I won't say who he was with just because I wasn't there. So I'm not going to say that on here, but was out with a certain Green Bay guy a couple of years ago. Said guy had to drop a deuce off the back of the boat while they were trolling. That, that's more common than you think. Yeah. From I, what I've heard. I've never been involved with it, but from what I've heard, that's a fairly common. Yeah. Occurrence. I've never done it off the, like I've, I've always ran my boat ashore. I'd run the boat aground, get myself a nice roll of TP out of the live well. Yeah. And at least try to be somewhat civil. Civil. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yes. Jesus, what kind of animal do you think I am? I Jesus. just drive back to this freaking ramp. It is not worth it, dude. No, just go back to the it. boat ramp. Just go back to the ramp no. and find a nice boat. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you got to keep in mind. It's not though, a contest. What, you guys are, what you're forgetting, though, is like those guys are miles and miles. Oh, no, out. I get that. They're not on pima tuning where there's a boat ramp every sixty yards. Dude. I get that, but I don't fish those <laughs> waters. So I'm gonna take my I'm gonna take my rig back to the launch, and we're gonna go to the bathroom. Dude, you Nick you, Nick Fiesler isn't here to tell the story about uh, the porta potty that was brought on the boat when we were in Canada. Uh, we'll we'll save that for another another store another another podcast. But uh, yeah, there was a porta potty brought on the boat. Try going out with my dad. We we get to the spot. And he's like, you got to go back. I'm like, it took us 20 minutes to get here. He's like, 20 minutes back. We just go right back to the cottage. I've got a turtle head poking out. So This is so when, boyish, the boyish charm, boyish humor of this podcast. Is, yeah, that, exactly. what is? is that what we call this? It's just, it's just wiener, fart, and poop jokes all the time with you people. No cussing, though. I'm just right. I'm just gonna knock on wood. I'm gonna knock on wood right here that I have not had any type of an experience like that on a boat because I can imagine that would not be fun. I guarantee no, you, you it happens in Chautauqua at the end of this month. Yeah. No, nope. you, you musky fish long enough, it'll happen. Yeah. No, Swiss Swiss military yeah. trick. Eat that 80% cocoa and you just it blocks you up for the whole outdoor excursion. Props I got a to good Sam, story. Props to Sammy for that. Stories. My buddy like... Oars, Commander Oars in Switzerland right now. Thank you for that tip. Ah, you want some chocolate? Yeah, I want what fun. The... You want fresca? I want fun. Uh, we're off the rails. Donnie, tell your story real no, quick. No, we're not. Gonna... No, we're not doing that. All right, we're not doing <laughs> Let's that. Let's get back on right, Back to Kyle. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle. No, no, oh, these man. these tangents are what what the people listen for, right here. Give the people here. what they want. <laughs> yeah. Are you not want. entertained? Give them what they want. <laughs> so I I picked up something in watching your videos that you, much like me, are a four hundred one tranks guy. Oh yeah, yeah, the right handed way to throw it if you're right. Exactly. The, the, you mean the you mean the correct way? Yeah, the correct way. Yeah. Sorry, Those are not say the an attorney way. One. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man I, I i'm always surprised at how few people throw left hand left-handed retrieve bait casters because i don't know you don't have to switch hands you just cast Agreed. it and 
tuck it under your arm and reel. Yeah. And like, yeah. Well, and, and if you buy a spinning reel it's, as a righty, it's on the left side. Naturally set up. Yeah, it's right. naturally set up exactly. on the left and side. From, from my from my perspective, like you got to drive the hooks home on these fish. And I'm way stronger as a right-handed person with my right arm. That's where I want the power to be. I can reel with my right. left. So, it, and then to your point, yeah, you don't have to switch hands. And it's, I wonder it's, why that is. Like, why why did bait casters kind of start as right-handed where typical spinning reels are left-handed? I'm not sure. I, all I know is I'm like the only one who does it that way. And I catch a lot of shit from everybody for whatever reason. And the worst part is, is when you jump in somebody's boat in like late October or whatever um, for sucker season, and I don't bring my rods, like the re- the reel's always on the wrong side with the sucker rod. So like, I, I told my buddy Tyler, like when we go to the battle next week, like I'm bringing my own fucking rods and I'm going to use the right sided retrieve on my reel. And that's how it's yeah. going to be. Yeah. So I'm with you, man. Like I, it, it, I'm totally thrown off when I'm on a boat and everything is right-handed. Agree. Agree. I, don't know I mean, I'm, I, I'm with you guys. I, I prefer that as well, but I have, uh, just because of my the uh, dialysis crap with my arm, I have to be able to switch back and forth. But I taught myself how to cast the other way. But I don't, I don't switch hands. I would never do like I actually. I mean, I cast right handed. Like, I don't know if I'm doing it that way. I, I do it that way. I, I've done. I just that don't too. like it as much because I don't feel like I have the hook setting power, especially with uh, the shit that i have going on with my left arm in general but what what i, will I can't say on, what i will say is i felt well the front deck on jaime's boat was was pretty small just because it was a crossover it wasn't a true angling boat but i what i will say is i felt like retrieving my sweeps towards the windshield messed with my mind like all week doing that and like what jaime jaime fishes the exact same way i do with a left-handed bait caster as a righty and what he would tell you is that we should actually be fishing on the starboard side of the boat just because of because we're fishing opposite handed, which I guess kind of makes sense. But I don't know then I have to re-rig everything on the boat and whatnot. But um, yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting takeaway. So it's like something to keep in mind, like when you're configuring people throughout the boat on a trip and whatnot, like you got to be conscious of which way they're go- going to sweep the rod if they're using a jerk bait and whatnot. And um, like. I know he likes to fish with a right-handed person off the front of his boat. And then he fishes as a lefty off the back. And I like being a lefty off the back because then I can run my eight off the back corner and I can get a way bigger eight. Um, See, I think that's, I think that's becoming more common. Like people fishing out of the back of their own boat, whether they're right-handed or left, you know, fishing right-handed or left-handed, it seems like more even guides and whatnot i mean obviously that makes sense because their clients are going to be up front but i think i saw a uh pete mayna posted something about he jumped in someone else's boat and he made a comment about how weird it was fishing from the front front of a boat mm-hmm. which indicates to me that he fishes out of the back of his own boat and he's not guiding that he's not guiding you know he's just going out there to fish i don't know i feel more comfortable fishing out of the back of my boat I don't know exactly why that is, but it seems like that's kind of high me obviously does as well. Yeah. I, I did it for two reasons. The first was I fish alone a lot and it's a lot more stable back there with the motor. Oh, yeah. 
I found myself in the front, like, especially in, in big waves, like that up and down motion was maybe a little dangerous when you're by yourself. Um, and then the other thing too, is like, I fish alone so much that when I do have somebody with generally they're, they may be a buddy that doesn't get up very often or my wife, like I want them to have the first shot at the fish versus me. Um, and I think I, I feel like you can control the boat better from the the back for whatever reason too because i think when i was in the front you're like just the way the boat pivots with that trolling motor and whatnot i felt like i wasn't giving the person in the back um a good enough shot at the structure when i was controlling it from the front and since i started controlling it from the back like i'm more cognizant of where the rear of the boat is and i can pivot the front as needed and i feel yeah. like you move the boat differently better. standing in the back than you do for standing sure. in the front yeah for sure so what was I, man? I just had something that I wanted to bring up. I, it, I, damn it. I, anyways, I'm, I'm, if I think of it, I'll, I'll come back to it. I think it had something to do with, uh, you know, the troll. Oh, oh, fishing from the back. I have an issue with people, you know, the person standing on the bow, fishing out of the bow, and me not being able to see the head of the trolling motor unit. And so, I'm not sure exactly where it's, you know, facing. Does that make sense? Yeah, you just got to send it. You just got to hold. Yeah. Full send. Right. Then, no. then you'll send it, send someone <laughs> off the side of the boat. Yep. <laughs> no, I hit it. Yep. Problem solved. Well, it's, it's, it's funny because my buddy, <laughs> when we were up on Eagle, he would go grab his rod and then he would stand right in front of the trolling motor. And I'm like trying to position the boat like, right. in the wind like and stuff to like get us like, to, to set up right on the structure. I'm like, but it was like day four and I'm like, you guys aren't ever going to learn, are you? And they, they would, they did it all trip. Um, but yeah, every once in a while I got to remind them like, just step a little bit closer to the gunnel and, and it'll be fine. But yeah, I think it helps too. Like if you get a, a the bigger the boat, obviously the wider it is that gives you a little bit more distance between where those front people are standing and the trolling motor. My boat is narrower um, because it's older and that's how they used to make them. But so I, I run into that a little bit where I'm kind of looking around people and whatnot, trying to see the trolling motor, but it's, it's usually not too big of a deal. I mean, it's a minor nuisance, but I think we fish the spots better. So it probably makes up for it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the uh, musky battle that's coming up in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I, I did the Minnesota battle last year and then again this year. And after last year, um, there was quite a bit of interest in, in maybe doing something in Wisconsin. So Jeff Contreras, uh, with just keep, keep casting, he used to do the Minnesota Muskie battle. And that kind of started as like a multi-leg event of mainly YouTubers kind of getting together and fishing tournaments and whatnot. And it's kind of evolved to more of a um, just a once a year event in Minnesota or whatever. And what a few of the guys wanted to do was, you know, go to Northern Wisconsin because in Wisconsin you can cast and drag a sucker at the same time. So technically okay. you've got four baits working in the water. If you got two people in the boat and, you know, Jeff was able to find a resort that we're, we're partnering with um, in, in Northern Wisconsin and we're going to get together and, um, It'll be similar to the Minnesota battle where like what I like about the Minnesota battle is it's, it doesn't feel like a tournament. I would describe it as more of an outing of just like like-minded people that want to get together and get to know additional people in the industry and um, go fish muskies for a few days. So that's what we're going to do up on um, 
the resort is a butternut lake lodge in northern wisconsin and we'll be up there next i guess it would be the hold please we're headed up on the 19th so the tournament will go from the 20th through the 22nd tournament if you want to call it that um and i think there's like 12 12 of us that are going so there'll be six boats or so okay um, cool. I, I guess i don't have a final number but yeah just putting it on and Hopefully it goes well and it, it it works as good as the Minnesota battle did because um, that the Minnesota battle is about perfected with how Alex is running that now and the group of people we have going up there. And um, I think he'd be fine with me saying, you know, we're always open to, to new people at that battle, too. Um, and Man, it's just really... I, that's something I would love to do. It That is just such go. a hike for us. I mean, it's I mean, Donnie's made that trip once. I mean, it, it once. You know, it's twice well only only to the battle i've did the battle once yeah yeah i did the battle once i've made that trip to that area four times so it's a hell of a drive if there were were an easier way to to do it i would do that in a heartbeat but it's like man you almost gotta plan an entire week around a trip like that yeah it's a it's a big ask i know i talked about that with sam uh from sg angling talked about that with him a little bit last year about you know kind of the what all it takes to get up there if you're him flying from PA and um you had to fly in and then I had to make sure I had rods for him and a spot on the boat and he had to rent a car to drive up from the airport and I mean logistically it's challenging so I get it um for sure but yeah in terms of the the Wisconsin battle I think it'll be mostly local people there's some folk there's some carryover from the minnesota battle like bryce groves and his buddy baylor are coming Uh, they fished the minnesota battle and then mike conklin's coming with his his buddy adam um and it was adam's first time at the minnesota battle this year and he he stuck one pre-fish in a pretty nice four footer um in northern minnesota so hopefully some of that luck carries over to wisconsin for him but yeah we're looking forward to it getting everybody together and dragging some suckers and telling some stories at the end of the day what lake is that that you guys are going to be fishing or is it, is that like multiple lakes? So it'll be multiple lakes. We are, uh, the resort itself is on butternut Lake and then we'll be able to fish kind of the surrounding area. We're going to put a little bit of a limit on how far we're allowing people to travel, but, um, it'll, you'll be able to, to hook up and drive your pickup down the road and, and jump on a different body of water if you want. I don't know a ton about that area. I, I've never spent a ton of time up there, so it'll be it'll be interesting. I'm sure it's like most of the Wisconsin waters, though. Late October, it's just kind of a live bait bite at that point. Are you going to be enjoying some spotted cows? Um, potentially. Yeah. I'm more of a a bushlight peach fan. I, don't know if mm-hmm. you guys I noticed that at all. around around Is here we're all? more we're more Iron City mango. Yeah. <laughs> I see I see light mangoes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've I've kind of coined Bushlight Peach the beer of 10,000 casts as my way of celebrating the muskies. So um I don't know. It's worked out well for me. I don't want to jinx it and switch over to something else at this point, but no. I might no, have you to stick get with into what works, man. I might have to get into some of these beers. I uh I was surprisingly, surprisingly happy with I see light mango, and I was incredibly disappointed with the icy light turner's iced tea mix like so i'm i'm gonna i'm calling the balls and strikes as fair as i can here like you didn't drink enough beers with uh cigarettes in them 
this is uh this is the uh this is the age-old battle here because some of us feel as though iron city tastes like an ashtray what was his name and gary gary yeah oh dude iron city that iron city turner's mix was just nasty i just, oh that was just not that was not my cup of tea but like i said i was pleasantly pleasantly surprised by the uh icy light mango i mean don't don't be surprised really good lower your standards and don't be surprised <laughs> i gotta say this dude. lower your standards is a pretty good like uh, motto to live by you know what the beer yeah. surprise of the year for me was this year i know you I know, know you know what i'm about to say here i was What's totally this? blown away so i have been a huge advocate of the southern tier pumpkin like yeah to me that was one of the greatest pumpkin beers of all time. Like it's, it was pumpkin or nothing. And I'm sitting recently at my local watering hole, like last week, two weeks, three weeks ago, whatever it was. And I, and I had, I stumbled upon the Blockhouse pumpkin ale. So I'm like, this is, this might be as good as pumpkin. So D and I were this past weekend, we were out, we were out to eat and I got a pumpkin in a blockhouse draft side block by house. side blockhouse side by side and i swear to god to you guys blockhouse pumpkin ale is a superior pumpkin beer it is the really best pumpkin beer i've ever had in my life and nate bud who's responsible for blockhouse pumpkin ale pittsburgh brewing company and who else iron city beer <laughs> and i and I, I didn't even know you were drinking it, but I felt it down in my plums that you enjoyed it. <laughs> and I knew it. And I, I went on watch. I went on and I said, oh, Ryan, I knew you enjoyed that too good. I felt it. And felt he it said, in and I said, you know who made what? that, right? And I I knew because I found out shortly after because my wife said you know I you know that uh, that's a that's an Iron City and I was like get out of here it doesn't taste like an ashtray what's what's the ABV on that it's not that it's only like Good. eight I think it's eight I can't that's, remember that's I and mean, that's like pumpkin I mean that's like pumpkin's nine this is eight oh no I'm sorry it's too... seven it's seven okay. That's a little more reasonable, but it is you, sweet. It is like if you like that, you should try Iron City Light. I had, I went out for <laughs> for week one, uh, for week one of the NFL season. I went out and I bought a half a case of Icy Light, and I can tell you, the last four beers that I drank out of that case, I gagged them down, and then I went and bought a case of Yingling and a case of Miller Light. Yeah. Lower your standards. Don't be surprised. <laughs> Just enjoy it. I gotta try this. I gotta try Just this peach. It. So, so as a, a bush light peach guy, like, is that your? Are you like mainly a, a light beer type of guy, or you, know, uh, you do any of the craft the craft stuff? No, I'll do I'll do a little bit of everything. I would say it depends on circumstance and scenario. Um, if it's going to be a long day where many of them will be consumed, it's probably a light beer. But if it's going to be a beer with dinner, it's uh, something more crafty. I like dark beers in the winter up here. Yeah. Winters are long up here and they're cold and you're sitting out on the ice fishing and uh, you got to stay warm somehow. Some little heftier helps. 
So that that brings up a good question. You, how much ice fishing do you do during the year? Uh, quite a bit. We have a uh, we have well, a lot of people refer to them as like ice castles. Um, we have a we have something similar. It's a Yeti brand, but it's um like a toy hauler, so I can pull my ATV in there and and a portable and bounce around. But it's like fully furnished, has bonks, heat, TV. What really? All of all of that. Yeah, I'll send you some pictures of it. It's but yeah, it's like you wouldn't believe it out here. Like it's the lakes turn into cities in the winter of just like pickups and these giant fish houses. And mine's like, mine's an eight by 16 are the dimensions on it. And then it's got a, a V front on it too. And like mine's small compared to some of these, like some of them go over 30 feet long and they're like, yeah, they're basically like campers. Yeah. It's yeah, basically yeah. a camper. Wow. That's dude, that would be awesome. Oh it's my God. A, that would be so cool. You you have Dave to have one, one of those to, too. You have to have one just to bear the winners, because they get to be so long and just miserable that it's like something to get you out of the house. So, but then I do uh, we do spearing, so dark house spearing. I don't know if you've seen any of those videos. I have seen, general, yeah. But, like like yeah. is that sturgeon mainly sturgeon spearing pike, or northern pike? Oh, pike. Yep, yep. So it's that's an interesting one. My grandpa's been doing that for like sixty years and he kind of got me into it and it's, it's a lot of fun. We go up usually like kind of right around Christmas time and cut a big hole through the ice with a chainsaw and put a shelter over the top of you and it's completely dark in there and they come in and you spear them. So what do you do? You hang a light down there or do you like no, you hang a that, decoy? Yeah. A decoy usually. Um, there's a variety of different decoys. There's some that look very artificial, some that look very natural. You can even use live bait. Like we'll use sometimes like, eight nine inch chub minnows on like a harness that doesn't have hooks on it but they just swim around down there um and they they're pretty uh sometimes they can be aggressive like if if you go from like 32 degrees and then you get a really hard cold snap the fish will get fired up and they'll be aggressive but i'd say they're pretty lethargic most of the time as you can imagine with water temps where they are at that time of the year um but it's it's a lot of fun it's it's like a i would define it as like a perfect cross between bow hunting and angling because you have to know how the fish are going to act that's the angling aspect but it's almost like hunting when you're all set up in there because you're waiting for them to come in um to this tiny little square you cut in the middle of the whole lake right and you hope you're on the right weed bed and the right structure and it's a lot of fun and that's usually where we get most of the fish we eat throughout the years on that trip because it's not necessarily catch and release but I would say so. It's good for the lake because the DNR encourages you to take a lot of the smaller ones. You can keep up to 10 pike under like, I think it's 22 and a half. I'd have to double check the reg on it this year, but um, it's good to get some of those smaller pike out because they're kind of the ones that terrorize the panfish populations and all of that. So it's, I like to think I'm doing a good service by getting out there and doing that to a certain degree, but it's also a good way to just pass the time in the winter because it gets to be Tough. I feel like that would be a good way to get your aggression out too. Just freaking yeah, spearing a pike in the head, honey, honey. I'm I'm going spearing for the weekend. Well, she comes with, and she's drink, better drink a me, few, so that's awesome, bush light dude. peaches. Spear a few motherfuckers. Yeah. Well, I heard they're discont- <laughs> I heard they're discontinuing the yeah. like play some limp biscuit, <laughs> break shit. <laughs> it's just one of those days. 
Yeah, I heard they're I heard they're discontinuing the peach, so I had to stock up on that just to get me through ice season until they hopefully release it again next year. But I'll be a little heartbroken if that never comes back for sure. I feel like I saw some things on uh, Instagram where there might have been a, a mysterious uh, bush light peach can person leaving can- random cans on people's boats and stuff uh, around the musky battle. You know anything about that? I'll have to talk to my attorney. About some piles of, piles of bush light cans in people's boats. Well, that, that could have been, that could have been one of about 10 people. I, it probably wasn't me. No, it was uh, the last night of the battle was, was fun. And um, we ended up wrapping it up around the tailgate of the pickups and, Except for Alex and Tyler, Alex and Tyler went we, out. They, they, yeah, uh, we heard we heard about they them. Clean house, they clean uh-huh. house for sure. Um, That's crazy. Heck of a year for big fish, and it was funny too because we were standing there talking to them, and and they were going to leave to go home, and Tyler's like, "No, we got to go out. We got to go out and make one pass, one pass." And Alex was like, "This isn't gonna work. Like it's so windy out there." And I was talking to to Jace Loge at the time, and. He and I were both like, yeah, you guys are, you're going to be wasting your time dropping the boat in right now. And boy, did they ever prove us wrong. And I <laughs> I couldn't be happier to admit I was wrong in that circumstance because those were giants that they ended up putting in the boat. Yeah, that's crazy. Absolutely crazy. That's what you go up there what for. Story. That's what Northern Minnesota has to offer for sure. It'll beat you down. It'll be tough, but um, they're big. They're big up there. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't feel like we get uh, we don't get enough of these stories. Like we don't, I don't like Nate Bud and I aren't like going back out on the water after pounding ten icy lights in the parking lot of <laughs> wherever we're at at the moment. Like I feel like that needs to happen well, at some point. They, no, they but- never. They in full transparency, they never made it to the parking lot. They were on their way to go home, and we were on the way to <laughs> when they decided <laughs> to go fishing. So. <laughs> All right, so so I'll go ahead and go back to a golf analogy here. You guys, that's like the equivalent of what's called what we used to say the emergency nine. Like uh, you go out, you play however many holes, you go back in, you're drinking with all your buddies, you're playing some cards, whatever. Someone comes up with the the idea to go out and play an emergency nine, and it just like all hell breaks loose because obviously people have been drinking and yada yada yada. But that they went and. That's playing an emergency nine in a different way. <laughs> Going out on the lake at like, you know, two in the morning and bagging a 56.5. And, you know, I don't know what the exact numbers were, but they were freaking giants. 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 Like, and then they also, like, a- I think it was like 56 or 56.5 and like 54 or something like that. Yeah. It was like insane. I believe it was 56 and 54 and a half. And they had a four footer too, that just gets glossed over. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> all that, right. Yeah. Like whatever, just fucking four footer, but um, that's crazy, yeah, man. No, but wild. I mean, that just, that goes to show, Hey, time on the water, you know, they don't catch those fish if they don't go out there and oh, fish it's, for them. I'm glad you brought that up because like, it's all about time on the water. Like as somebody who's relatively new to this game, like, you need to spend the time on the water to figure out what works and what doesn't. And there's no other way to learn without spending gobs of money on 
booking guides and all of that or bumping into somebody who's going to give you a bunch of advice that you would have gotten no other way other than time on the water. Like it's, and that's the fun of it is that grind because then all, all the challenges and the trials and the tribulations when you are successful, um, it just, it's so much more rewarding <laughs> after that grind for whatever reason. But yeah, I mean, that's, I, I'd say that that is really what keeps all of us kind of doing this. I know this hasn't been the greatest year for many of us uh, in terms of putting fish in the boat, but you know, it kind of, it, does that mean that we want to give up or do we want to like keep, keep trying and keep doing this, you know? And I don't know, man, it's part of what, why do we do a podcast for two hours to talk about a stupid fish that we have, you know, we have 90 episodes now, whatever. I mean, it's because there's something about this thing that drives us all insane. And if they were easy to catch, you know, what's the, what's the, uh, the, the poorly made musky memes, uh, if, if musky <laughs> fish, if musky fishing were easy, it would be called your mom. <laughs> that was that, uh, that whole thing that transpired this week where some of us liked like 30 of his posts in a row. <laughs> so good. I almost did the same thing to Kyle tonight. I could really be better with social media, man. I've been slacking terribly. Yeah. So, uh, so am I, so have I, you know, I try to, I don't know. Well, it's you, you the guys whole... have been prioritizing time on the water over time on the Insta. Exactly. Well, I, I is... haven't even been, I haven't been able to even give time on the water man. I haven't even been to the lake in two weeks. I'm hopefully going to go up tomorrow, but the weather's supposed to be absolute shit. So who knows if I'm even going to get on the water. I've been actually fishing for once. Oh, and come down and fish with me tomorrow. Where are you? Oh, oh, you're, you're taking the kids down. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Down Down the creek. Down to York. Me and me and 30 city kids fishing. And no one has fishing licenses. So we're just going to risk it for the biscuit. This oh, is... you you just have to have one. I guess, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a game. Oh, they're all they're kids. I mean, how they... old are they? Don't say. I mean, but don't between say. yeah, high schoolers that oh, may or may could... not be. They're not eighteen. I mean, do they, is, you have to have a license. It's 16. sixteen. Sixteen. Oh snap! <laughs> <laughs> That's your legal advice. Listen, if I. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have I have my I have my license. And I'll just be like I don't know them. Who the, yeah. I don't know those kids. This is this is a couple six. There's a couple six packs on the bus. I don't know those kids. Did I say where I was fishing? I'll be up at um, Cannon Lake. There you go. <laughs> So if any game any game wardens listening to this, oh, it'll be out. It'll, 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 it'll be out come. after that. Yeah, yeah never good. mind. You're good. I'll be down to yawk, suckers. I got to ask this. All right, Kyle, you've been fishing for a while. Like, all right. So for we we always ask, like, what's the one piece of advice for new musky guys, like guys getting into the sport, but you kind of alluded to time on the water being everything. How about some advice for guys that have been doing this for a while that are just having a rough season? How about yeah. that? Like what's your advice for guys that are having a rough go this year? 
I'm the wrong person to give advice on. That's for sure. I, I literally started this year. I had lost up until the fish I caught on Lake of the Woods. I had lost eight fish in a row and had chances at others. And it just wasn't going my way. And Jaime would probably tell you if you got a, if you uh, had a private conversation with him that I was at the lowest of lows in that boat on Lake of the Woods on day three or whatever it was. And you just got to keep after it. I mean, there's, there's no other way to say it. And it's, it's um, I think we've all found ourselves in situations where you just want to be done with it for the day. And then the next time you have an opportunity to go out, you're kind of second guessing, is it even worth it? It's going to be a grind, this and that. You just got to do it. You just got to do it. I was literally having this conversation with my wife. Um, I think it was, it might've been the weekend after Labor Day. And I said to her, I think I'm just going to go up to the shield three weeks next year. And I'm not going to fish locally at all. Cause I had just had it locally. And I went out, um, she talked me into going out. I went out by myself and I wasn't filming. Cause sometimes I like to just go out and fish. Like I don't want to deal with the cameras. I know we were kind of talking about that before this Ryan, where the cameras can be a lot of work and especially locally, I don't like the spot burn and all that stuff. So I just, sometimes I just go fish and I, she talked me into going and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to go far. I went out and I stuck a fish on my fifth cast and then on my 10th cast. And the only reason that happened is because I was just persistent. You just have to be persistent. You have to be able to just fight the mental battle and keep going and keep going and keep going and know you're fishing good spots and know you're running good baits and it'll happen. It'll eventually happen. But everybody goes through tough stretches. Everybody does. The last, up until my Lake of the Woods trip, I the whole 2022 season, I could have just thrown out the window. It was, it was horrible for me. Um, but you just got to keep after it. And I think the other thing too, is like leverage your musky ink chapters and your network of people that you've met and go with people that are better than you. Cause it's going to make you better. Even if you have years and years and years of doing this, like not everybody knows everything. There's something you can take away from somebody else. And um, by going with somebody who maybe has more skills than you, it could be the, I guess, exactly what you need in that situation to kind of turn your luck around and maybe learn something that you were doing wrong. I don't know. It's a hard, it's a hard question to answer. I, it's just, you got to gut it out. You just have to keep going. I think is the easiest way to, to kind of, I think, I think your point of fishing with people that are better than you is, is something that I think is important, not just in musky fishing, but just like all through life, you know, if you hang around with the people that don't know anything about anything and you expect to learn from them, well, good luck. You you put yourself in a position where you're hanging out with people and spending time with people that that know a lot more than you and that are better than you and you just absorb things and you know, you pay attention and you 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 learn. Like that's how you get better. You don't get better by doing stuff with people that are worse than you. Period. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, like I mentioned earlier in this, like I, I'm not the best at the boat. And one of the things I, I've been considering doing for next year is I like to lay out kind of goals personally, professionally, and then within my hobbies. Right. And it forces me to get better. And, and one of the things I debated on doing next year was going with a guide at least once to try and 
figure that out, whether that's locally or up on the woods or wherever, but the woods would be best because you get so much bow side action up there. But it's one of the areas I want to improve. Um, it's weird. I, I had luck early on when I first started musky fishing. I don't know if that was just dumb luck at the boat, but the last two years have been really hard at the boat. And I don't know if it's the fish seeing pressure or I'm doing something wrong or I'm not sure what it is, but um, yeah, I would encourage people to always try and go with somebody better than them, whether that's a guide or somebody that's been doing it longer and has a lot of fish under their belt. Donnie, I saw you nodding your head. I saw you nodding your head as, as as Kyle was talking about that. I know that's something that is kind of hit home with you. Like you seem to get a lot of fish to, to the boat. Uh, I mean, yeah, throughout my musky career, if you want to call it that, <clears throat> you know, I know a, a lot of people joke around, like to say that I, I only troll or whatever. I know Tommy two Crocs likes to play that game. Tell me how my, I'm a hardcore troller. And all that, and I do troll, but the fact of the matter is, I probably cast just as much. I just when the when the casting starts, the catching usually stops. <laughs> so you don't really see as many fish that way, at least not for me. Uh, I, you know, not in in boat side. I mean, I, I've had a couple fish over the years. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like it was those couple that I couldn't have screwed up if I wanted to. You know, but overall like getting a say a a somewhat i I don't know converting a fish that maybe a semi-aggressive fish or whatever you want to call it i feel like i don't know if that's that next level or whatever but i don't know man something that i've never felt like i was i've even come close to doing like watching these videos on youtube of ben stone and guys like that uh, of Just these fish just following around in the figure eight. You know, that just doesn't happen. They never do that for me. They never do that. Yeah. I I should take that back. The video we discussed earlier, kind of the recap video for my Lake of the Woods trip. Um, I had one eat twice in the eight at the boat. I don't know if you got that far in the video on or not. Yeah, I did. That one was, I, I literally said to Jaime right before that, like, I'm like, I want to get one as hot as the one Ben had on Malax earlier this year. Like that never happens to me. Never happens to me. Yeah. And she came flying in and crushed me. And I was using a bucktail that is just a single bucktail. It's a smaller blade because I could really get it going fast. And I'm convinced if I, if that had that front treble on it, we would have had that fish. See, um, I I'll send you I'll send you a video of uh, that I have on YouTube of of I I I did not add that front treble and i'm casting on lake nipissing by myself and i say like and i must have been casting for hours and hours and hours on end and i say on video i'm gonna get a fish here and sure enough a fish like a 38 40 inch fish just smokes the shit out of my bucktail but you can tell it hits the front of the bucktail i mean it did not hit the back of the bucktail at all and i did not have that front treble on it I didn't get any anything near hooks in that into that fish. No, but it's it's those fish that you just can't screw up that I somehow find a way to screw up that I just <laughs> I, I, I need to figure out what I'm doing wrong there and whatnot. And I think that one was just bad luck. Yeah. I, I don't know. And like when I when I slow the clip down, the problem is is my my head cam on my hat 
in looping mode, it won't allow me to do like 60 frames per second. So generally speaking in videography, the higher frame rate, the more you can slow it down. Cause what slow-mo does is if you think about video is for every second, there's, if your frame rate's 24, there's 24 stills in that second. What slow-mo does is it pulls every like two or three, depending on how much you slow it down. So the more frames you have in that second, the less choppy it looks because you're pulling out frames, but you still have a lot of frames in that one second. If I slow it down, it's a little choppy, but I think what I should have done in that situation, and it seems like I always do it wrong regardless, but what I should have done is the second time she ate in the eight, it looked like the tip of my rod loaded. So I should have probably just set the hook the direction she was going because of how she ate the bait from behind. But it happens so fast. Like you grind all day. You've been at it for 12 hours. Your brain's foggy. You're tired. Like she hit once, like what's the chance she's going to fucking hit a second time. Right. Like that never happens to anybody. And then she did. And I was like, well, I'm going to do the same thing I did before and hope it works. And just didn't work out that way. But yeah, I don't know. I, we were, we were kind of talking about, um, I guess, you know, advice and going with the guide and stuff. And like, that's one area I'd like to improve next year is at the boat, just because you spend so much time on shield waters. Like that's going to make or break your trip at some point. And, you know, if I would have hooked that fish at the boat that's a four footer we got in the net and it's the trip's completely different. To kind right. Of Your entire trip has changed that one cast, one fish, one, one hook getting into a place that sticks Yep. changes the entire complexion of your destination trip man and that's i guess that's kind of where the the palpable nature of you losing that one fish you know if you lose that one fish you know for a fact like shit that might have been my only real shot this trip yeah for sure you can be like my dad and just not figure eight at all and just be like what's all fish <laughs> just keep just yelling at each other in the boat just keep keep the lure in the water my dad he says that's all for show he's like you guys (laughs) all for show he said if that fish wants to eat he'll eat it on the next cast (laughs) speaking of don senior i i sent your dad a text the other day i was cooking on the black stand and i sent him a text message and he replied to me and said very nice (laughs) <laughs> looks like a good meal <laughs> a good meal <laughs> yes that's good I'm taking them out saturday taking them out saturday in the in the shit storm as you where are you guys going a secret well, I mean, lake a secret, secret spot secret yeah. spot nowhere near our camper you better put that freaking bimini up on saturday buddy oh, that old enclosure needs to go up buddy heater saturday. will be up grill will be going it's gonna be the whole shebang. Speaking Diaper. of speaking of Don Senior again, we we also received two text messages from a recent trip that you had with with Senior, and the first text message was him passed out in the back seat of your truck on the way to said lake. Oh yeah, <laughs> full spread pillow and everything. He went to a comedy show the night before. He's like he's like <laughs> me fishing with him now. Is like I guess how it was when he was taking me when I was twenty and he was like forty and I was right. Going you're out all hungover, fucked and, up and, all night. Like yeah, he's, you're all the, hungover. It's completely and changed now. Like I pick him up, he's like, "Oh, I went to bed like two hours ago. I'm gonna just go to sleep in the back of the truck." 
<laughs> we get a second picture with him sitting sitting in the passenger seat of the guide trip you're on, sleeping yeah. again. Right. And Donnie's no. quote was, this is the amount of effort I get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was, been that was a tough. A... I, it's been a tough year for a lot of us, honestly. Uh, this has not been not been the most productive year in terms of putting muskies in the boat. I mean, Ryan, you've done it started done all off right hot this year. Yeah, the hunks were having a banner year. Then, Owens, uh, P, the PA, your PA big one in the spring, and, and then uh, things just climbing hit the, champion and hit the brakes. My year start off hot. <laughs> You, we got to set something straight here because Donnie's been, he's been talking about being on the struggle bus. You barely fished this year. Yeah. Like you, I, I haven't fished have... really as much, but I have been on, uh, if, if you count the two nipping days with Reagan, you could say I've been on five professionally guided trips this year that have equaled no fish. That's pretty good streak. Yeah. That's a tough one right there. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's brutal. Oh, but if I, if I have to say that I'd say that's more, saying that that's not you that's i mean if the fact that guides are putting you know put uh, you know it, i don't know these fish are stupid uh, oh i get these that fish are stupid it's, just... it's uh but i get it it's frustrating man i i i get it i get it i feel jerks. like <laughs> my numbers are are down slightly this year but i also feel like i'm i'm like I'm just learning everything with this. Oh yeah, boat. well, like this is your first year in your new. It's completely your boat. different, but I'm yeah. only five fish. I'm five fish away from tying my best season, so I'm I'm still you know we got some time here, but you know whatever. I'm not necessarily counting like individual fish though. I'm counting like boat fish too, so that's like not really. It doesn't really count the same, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Numbers don't matter. No, uh, yeah. None of that matters, but. Numbers matter people. for you in terms of trying to gauge where you are in your own personal progress. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like you trying to compare it to someone else is never going to work because you're never equal. And someone's always putting in more time with a different setup, whatever. Like, you know, you just cannot do that. You simply can't. Yeah. In my opinion, it's it's like one of the flaws of the sport is it's so caught up in number of fish <laughs> and inches and length and all of this. Mm-hmm. And like, like I said to you guys earlier, like, I just like doing it. I just like catching them. Yeah. I don't care if I'm catching a 36 or a 52. Like, I just, I enjoy it. I, I think there's so, it's, it's it's just a great way to pass the time and it's fun. I mean, it's the adventure. I think it's cool. The the other part that I'm really enjoying this year too, is when you get guys that don't get an opportunity to be out on a boat, you know, you get them out on the water. Like yesterday for me, that was a prime example, you know, chef Ryan, Mr. Time machine, time machine himself was, uh, was out there with me yesterday and that was his first time ever trolling, you know, and, you know, we, we, we lost two fish yesterday, but like the thing of it was, it was, it was more of a learning experience and it was, it was a way to clear my head. So like that stuff's valuable. Like you don't always have to net a fish, but no dude, but that's the difference between last year and this year, last year, you wouldn't have had the, you didn't have the opportunity to even do that much. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like you didn't have the boat. Like, so again, it's the incremental steps that, 
I think you take as a musky fisherman, uh, you know, R- Chef Ryan is not to the point where he has a boat or anything. Like maybe you're maybe that day on the water is the inspiration that, hey, he's going to say, all right, I'm going to save up to buy a small boat like Ryan has, you know? Yeah. And we all got to start somewhere. And the more time you put into it, you know, you can start smacking bigger fish and kind of figure things out over time. But you got to enjoy the ride, enjoy the process too. Cause even when we get our butts kicked, like it's still, it's, it's still fun. Like you're out there fishing for fun. Like we do this for fun. Like, and that's why, that's why I think I get so ramped up to like some of the YouTube stuff because like Kyle, we didn't really talk about this. Like you mentioned it about the camera aspect and, and doing the YouTube videos. Like it's, it is a lot of work and it's a lot of, you know, messing around on the boat. And and sometimes I feel like it's almost taken away time on the water and like really taken away from why I'm out there. So, I mean, I'd say for myself, like my video production mm-hmm. slowed way down, like, and it's been like years, like you guys can attest to that. Like, two, three, four years now where I haven't been putting out videos consistently. But the one thing I will say is like the videos I put out, that's when, you know, I'm having fun, like with the video part of it, because it otherwise, like, it doesn't make sense for me just to go like tomorrow I'm going out. Like I'm not taking cameras because, you know, I want to just go out there and relax and like, enjoy it. And that pressure of like managing the cameras has really been like, it's been hard on me, you know? So I, I I agree with you. I mean, there's, there's a period of time there when I started doing it where it was like, I'm going out to try and make a video. And these fish are hard enough to catch, let alone try and produce a story and tie everything together and make the storyline jive and not have it be choppy video and all that. And this year I kind of took a different approach with it where it was like, well, I'm going out to fish and have fun. And if I get a video out of it, great. Right. Like, I, like right. I said, I'm doing this to capture the memories, not to make a video that goes viral. And yeah. And that's the, like, and exactly that's the thing, dude, said. like no one at this point in the, in, in the world, the chances of us going viral with a musky video is slim to none. Like it's this isn't been done. 2000. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't yeah. 2012, 2014, where if you put a giant musky video on YouTube, I mean, you could get a billion. You know, there's a million people doing musky videos now. You know, Ben Stone is a great example. Like, dude, that dude is making some of the best musky videos out there, you know, and he's not like a millionaire based on his it's, musky it's, video production. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a niche. The market, sport. the market just isn't there. Yeah. It's a, it's a niche sport. No matter how probably, good you are at it. Yeah. You're probably never going to be able to sustain like a really, really strong livable income off of musky YouTubing. Right. It's, it should be fun at the end of the day, in my opinion. And like, that's where like, for me this year, it was like, well, when I do it, I want it to be, maybe higher quality than some of the other stuff that's going on out there. And like, I think my Lake of the Woods series really kind of exemplified that. And I kind of got better through the editing process with that as it went. And the last video of that, in my opinion, is the best video I put out in terms of telling a story, getting it all the piece together, good action, all of that. And that's the um, same video that I was referring to earlier. Yep, yep, yeah. And it yep. was really good. Yeah. So I like, for me, it was like, 
there's a lot of people who've inspired me in terms of videography and stuff. The Doug Wagner's of the world, the Brian Scaves, Ben as a good example, today's angler. But then I look at somebody like, I don't know if you guys have heard of Jay Siemens. He's up in Canada. He does a lot of ice fishing stuff. So I wasn't sure if you guys had heard of him, but he, uh, his videos are very like cinematic, really high image quality, like all of that stuff. So I take a lot of inspiration from kind of how he lays it out. And from my seat, like, all of the videography work is great, but the audio is the most important piece because if you have audio that's just nothing but wind noise and choppy and cutting in and out and um, audio that's blowing out the suppression and stuff, like nobody's going to watch that at the end of the day. So for me, it was it's kind of balancing, like trying to put out something that's high quality for purposes of me actually wanting to go back and watch it at some point. And then... Um, trying to not make it a job because it, it probably wouldn't ever become a job for me at the end of the day. It's about capturing those memories. But I know if I put out shitty stuff, like I'm not going to go back and watch it at some point. Like I won't even watch my Eagle Lake stuff from last year with when it was just my wife and I. So I'm kind of holding myself to maybe a higher standard there. And I don't want to just put out videos to put out videos. I want it to be something that I'm proud of. And like the video I'm working on right now is from the musky battle. We boated a smaller fish in it, but I'm going to put out a video for it and um, I've been working on that for like two weeks. I've been busy personally and at work and stuff. So it's, it's been delayed, but I keep going back and forth and like changing things. So it's not just a reiteration of something I've done. I want it to be different to a certain degree. And that takes time. You got to learn the editing process and clunk through it and whatnot. But, um, I think it sets I, you apart a little bit. I definitely can relate to that. Like the whole memory thing. Cause when I first started doing videos, it was just like, Man, it was just like we wanted to just sit there over winter and just kind of go back through the footage and those those better days we had and things like that. And I can remember going over to my buddy Dan's house and we're watching like the video of his first three fish day, you know, and it's it just that stuff is super cool to be able to look back on. And the other point you had made before is like being able to slow that stuff down and see what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that's I've definitely learned a lot more you know, from that stuff. And it's, it's anywhere from rod tip, you know, wherever you're working the rods, as far as real and efficient and, and just, you know, whatever else is happening on the boat. Like I've, I've even looked at footage of me like tripping and falling on, on the boat. And I'm like, I, we got to do something about this. Cause we, we just throw all the crap in there and you don't think about it. And, you know, at some point you can, you could be in serious trouble. Like, Donnie right. has seen, one, Donnie has seen me fall. Step. Right. And like even to that basic, you yeah, know, even like, when there's no waves, there's no waves. Calm, I just, fall. just <laughs> I just fall for no reason. I just tumble oh, I'm a, flop into the bottom of the boat. I'm a big dude. My, my, my sea legs have gotten better. Necklace. Yeah. Like you, you should I'm see falling. me now. Swinky, you should see up. me. I'm like a freaking <laughs> flying squirrel on my boat now, dude. I can run. I, I'm, uh, the only thing I can't do is run up the run up the gunnel like a Greg Thomas. Like I can't do that yet, but maybe someday. He's he's so nimble. <laughs> but it, yeah, I would pay to see you try to run up the the gunnel like Greg Thomas on that Alumacraft. Yeah, I would no. I would die. I don't even think it would just be like falling overboard. Like I would actually probably die somehow. But whatever. It's good. Ryan, yes. Ryan, when are you when are you gonna release the banging bottom footage from our trip? Yeah, I gotta we got a little issue for that. I got a uh, problem. Copyright infringement. No, I the footage is not 
Well, it, it's not there. Because it, it could have gone viral. Remember I was having problems with my camera? Yeah. yeah. Well, I put the other camera up, and it just, like, never recorded. The whole time we were out there, I got nothing. Well, that's I, good, because you should have saw what I was doing to that camera. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I haven't even told you about this, but I just, I had to, I actually replaced the SD card on it. But... Yeah, that one's that was failed. That was a failed trip. I'm sorry, Nate. But well, back to your right. point, Ryan, though, about it just sometimes the cameras are just a lot of work and a little bit exhausting. And like it's stuff like that where like equipment malfunctions and stuff that just drive you nuts at the end of the day. Like my wife's fish from Eagle, I didn't realize it, but actually I mentioned in my last Lake of the Woods video when we filmed their outro, I had a mic issue. And I didn't, I never looked at the footage until after we got back from Eagle and we went to look at her fish in a close-up and the audio was popping the whole time. And luckily I saved my GoPro for some of it. So there's going to be like a, a section of it once I release the video where it's popping and stuff, but it's like stuff like that, that just gets to be so deflating. Like you grind and grind and grind and you, you think you capture the content and the GoPro doesn't save or you have an audio issue and it's sometimes you just want to go out and fish at the end of the day <laughs> yeah it's, it's, I, it's I, kind I, of the equivalent down. of you know you what was it somebody was it lebron making some like historic shot and there's a a photo of it and literally every single person in, in the crowd has their phone out like we're always trying to capture what we should be seeing with our own eyes and and it's different with the gopro because you know you're not you're not viewing it like you are your smartphone you know mm -hmm. but i think there's something to be said like okay just enjoy the moment you know enjoy what's happening enjoy the fact that and maybe it would be a fish story you know i mean who knows you know maybe maybe there's more to the to it than than getting it all on video i've had more issues with cameras this year than any other year because i had an issue with musky max and somehow i was able to at least like recover it off of that sd card but like half the footage is grainy and the audio quality is not great and then i had the issue with our that with that charter that you were on nate with my camera and then saint Clair. I had a battery die on my brand new camera and I don't know if it's cause it got water in there, but I had to run, I just ended up pulling the battery finally and just running it off of power, you know, straight, which is, has been working, but man, I've had so many issues with cameras this year. It's just, I just got to the point where I'm like, just, I'm leaving them at home. I don't care. You know, we'll get a picture of the fish and it'll be, it'll be fine. But there is something to be said about the whole memory thing and capturing that stuff. And, really putting out a higher quality video because yeah, like you want to be proud of that for sure. You want to be able to go back and look back on that stuff. And I think when you really put it together and it's a video that everybody looks at and, and appreciates, like it's worth, it's worth more than you would think it would be because there is entertainment value there for sure. But it's also just like that standard, like being proud of, of what you're doing. And uh, that's just super cool. That's I, I love to hear that, you know, with the YouTube stuff and like guys like you doing it for that reason versus 
trying to get to, you know, 20,000 subscribers and, right. and everything else. It's all about the subs. Bumping subs, baby. <laughs> Mash that subscribe button. Epic yeah, boat side strike. I crave boat side strikes. That's yeah. it. That's what I, I told Fish myself. It's crazy bait. <laughs> Only epic ones. That's one thing I told myself I wouldn't do with this was um ask for subscriptions and things of that nature. Like either people are going to appreciate the video quality and want to watch it. Um, or they're not. And, you know, the interesting thing about my videos too, is like, I don't give a ton of tips cause I don't, I guess I'm at that point in my musky journey where I don't feel like I should maybe be giving tips. Cause I probably don't think that highly of my own skill set yet, but um, I think people want to see that people want to see baits. People want to see like things that are going to help them on the water versus some dude on a vlog trip, which it's like, for me, like, I'm doing There's it. a value to, to seeing right. someone on a trip like that that isn't oh, an sure. expert, you know? Sure. Well, there and there's a there's a nostalgia thing. Like, I, I remember Brian Scaife's videos up on Eagle. Like, I resonated quickly with that because I used to go up there all the time, right? And it was fun to kind of watch the progression of his trip when he'd release day one, day two, day three, day four, and see how he was doing and what he was combating and how he was thinking about the days differently and all of that. And, um, you know, for me, I it helps document that too. Right. So like next year, when I go up to Lake of the Woods, I can go re review all the footage and be like, yeah, we had a cold front. It was tough. This is what we were doing. So if we get in that situation again, I've got it documented. Um, and then, you know, file organization's key too. I'm sure Ryan, you're probably, you probably know that as well, but I like to date my footage so that I can always look back on it and say like, okay, I caught this fish on September 14th. And based on the footage, I caught it on a top water and I was fishing in a foot and a half of water because the fish are shallow in September. And uh, it kind of helps stamp that to a certain degree versus keeping a pencil log or something um, of that nature. It's a little bit more, I guess, tangible to a certain degree. It's like almost organic. Very organic. <laughs> Allowing it to happen. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's cool, man. Well, boys, what else? Uh, who else has some questions here? We we're we're over the two hour point here, so you know, we, if anyone has anything they want to kind of follow up with here, we've Dude, touched this on one. a bunch. We've touched on a lot of things. We've touched on the YouTube. We've touched on your trips to Lake of the Woods, trip to Eagle. Uh, I'm trying to think. I had a bunch of notes to my phone, and I think we covered pretty much everything that I had had knocked off on my on my list. I got one. I got one of my standard off the wall questions. What is uh? What is your your footwear of choice when you're out there musky fishing? I figured this might come up, and you know, <laughs> while we're talking about these standard questions, for the record, Owen, I don't use any epoxy in my. Video. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I I like to switch up the footwear, Ryan. If I'm being completely honest with you, I don't like to really box myself into a particular <laughs> shoe or footwear. Right. Um, last so year, you're I not pro staffed by any particular footwear company no, or anything no, like no. that. No. I've been looking for the right kind of value there, and the company that really aligns with me. Um, <laughs> Your value, yeah. <laughs> You know, and I, I need a foot, you know, I need, I need footwear I can make memories in if we're going to include on all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, last that. year I wore Hey Dudes. Um, they're My nice. guy. 
I liked them. This year, I've been wearing um, either Crocs, depending on how yeah. hot is, or just general tennis shoes. Um, tennis shoes are nice because I can lay, lace them up real tight and I can really move quick in the boat if I need to. The Hey Dudes were good, but they probably didn't have the support I needed. And the Crocs are, well, who doesn't love Crocs at the end of the day? Love but I always forget to put the adventure strap on. So when I go to set the hook, my feet slip because they sweat so bad in them. So I, I don't really have a good footwear. So if there's recommendations you guys have in terms of what you like, I, I'm we're like, quite divided as a podcast because, I've, I've you know, we have that. several, we've seen, we have several croc, croc, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, flag bearers. In my, yeah. And myself and Tom, um, Ryan, you're a hey dude type of guy. Yeah, but you know what though? The more I think hey about this, dude, like I wear hey dudes in in all aspects of my life, but I don't wear it out on the boat. What do you like wear that, on the boat? Though? Well, I thought you wore them on the boat. So I wear slides and socks on the boat, but we're we're getting into we're getting into this like October weather here. So the last two times out, I wore my extra tufts, and I kind of dig them. Like I kind of dig them. They're 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 pretty nice, but they're not. I don't know. I just I don't get the. Uh, I guess they are supportive, but like I don't know. It's not it's not the best thing I've ever had on my feet. Where'd you I buy like those? my mucks? I am a you, fan did of Did you the buy them like online or did you, like the extra toughs? They D got them at like Dicks. Okay. She got them at Dicks somewhere, I think. Well, and yeah, I don't know. Boat? Are they a rubber boot? Yeah, they're ru- they're like a rubber, but they're but you can't lace them up, right? No, they're they just like a rub- they're like a slide on, and that's why I asked about the trying it on because that's the type of thing. Like if it doesn't fit perfectly, I don't know, it can get real awkward real fast. They're, they're kind of similar to like the Sims slip on ones that you see mm-hmm. guys wearing nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I think Hook makes a, a pair of slip ons like it too. Yeah, yeah I, I got a. I don't know why I love this question so much. I don't, I swear to you guys, I don't have a foot fetish or anything like that, but like, <laughs> I just, I just really just, well, it know still amazes me that anybody walks around on a musky boat without shoes on. And I know a lot of guys that do it. I, I like, yeah, I, I literally it just put a, boggles I put my a, mind. I literally put a Medusa through the sole of my shoe on the last fish I caught of the year. Like I was walking yeah. around the boat with the net and I had a Medusa hanging off the bottom of my foot. I've been like yeah. really aggressively putting things away though. Like my deck is pretty clear. I don't have that much space. So when I start laying nope. baits out, it's not good. When I'm fishing, it's like, you know, tackle boxes explode on my deck. So <laughs> I gotta have just threw up all over the shoes on <laughs> over the over the deck. Not me. Baits you can ask, everywhere. You can ask Ryan, everywhere. Chef Ryan. We kept that deck clean. I mean I I I just I don't have that much space to work and like I can't even lay rods down because people trip over them and it's like really important to me to keep the back end of the boat clear because we pile all our crap in the front of the boat. And as long as that back deck's clear and I don't have hooks hanging out, baits hanging out everywhere, I, I haven't had any issues. But I don't know. I, I one of well, our, the thing if you're if you're dedicated trolling for the day, yeah, you can load up the front deck. Yeah, you know. But if you're not, well, that's you know, how if I you fi- have that's any, fish, if you have though. any, 
any inkling of doing one or you know or the other both during the day you can't load up the front deck like that that's what kind of sucks you know you kind of got to find yeah, and, spots and for all that i'll shit. be honest with you guys if i was casting i wouldn't wear slides anyway because there is no support there and it it does like i'm i don't know like i'm not that old but i feel like every five years i take another substantial decline and like that's where i notice it the most man is like wearing shoes and that's probably why i ask this question so much because i just want to know what the heck the perfect shoe is out there but you guys are right like trolling's different i don't really have to worry about that as much but when you're up working rods still like it's nice to have that extra support and actually crocs are not great for getting up and working rods like that because uh if you don't have them in in four-wheel drive mode you know they they'll come they'll come flying off there real quick Kyle, do you put any like goofy stuff on your Crocs? Like, like Tom is real big on the the headlight Crocs, the gibbets, the gibbets. The the Owen's got the Owen's son gave him the what the snow plows. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty simple with my my Crocs. I just run them stock most of the I time. I like that. <laughs> you know what? No after no aftermarket modifications. Um, <laughs> cut the tag off and put the fucking things on and start casting. <laughs> straight off the rack type of guy i like it well this has been a blast man i've I've really enjoyed this kyle uh i know we've talked for a little bit about getting you on the podcast and i think this was a good time to do it you've you've been fishing a lot this year i don't know man this has just been a lot of fun you obviously fit the vibe here uh we you know you, you you get you get what the the musky hunks are all about and i really appreciate that man yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. It was fun. I don't know where the last what two and a half hours or so went. It was. A I know, man. That's what happens here. <laughs> it's magical. You get trapped <laughs> in the black hole. It's very <laughs> organic. <laughs> yeah, the black it's, hole. It's it's. it's so, does anyone have any last moment questions? Last minute questions for Kyle? Just don't get mad at me when <laughs> you for, see fifteen likes. Your piece. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna give him sixteen. Yeah, just smash subscribe, all right? That's all. Smash I have. The, I'm smash I'm the holding, subscribe button. I'm holding out for your pay. It. I'm holding out for that pay content. Yeah. <laughs> Someday, dude, bud. Someday. <laughs> well, yeah. At least go through. Give us, give us your your YouTube channel one more time. Yeah. Give us where, where can our listeners find you? Uh, Cabbage Dragon Media is the YouTube channel. Check it out. Will do. Instagram. Kyle Freegis is the Instagram. First and last name. Pretty simple. All right. Well, go check him out. It's definitely worth worth a worth a, a watch, especially for his latest Lake of the Woods video. I'm telling you, like, go watch that. It's it'll give you a very good idea of how hard it is to catch these stupid fish and what it means to go on a trip like that and kind of the struggles that really come along with it. It really is a humanizing video. Try to we try to document the grind because we all yeah. go through it and everybody can relate to it and not everybody's a professional. So well, everyone goes on YouTube and watches a twenty minute video of of or fifteen minute video, you no know, even ten minute video of musky fishing, and they think that that's what musky fishing is. Yeah, you know, I mean, holy shit, that is the, the the furthest thing. I really do. I really do think that YouTube is about the furthest thing from accuracy in terms of musky fishing because you don't get a picture of the the whole grind of it 
Yeah. I mean, most of the time, the reality of it is, is it's 12 hours of second guessing yourself and frustration and missed opportunities. And then you just hope that you get that 10 seconds of fun. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome, Kyle. I really appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me on guys. I appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the season. And uh, if you, you know, we're going to be putting together our spring fling here. So I know you as a Minnesota guy, you don't get the fish you don't get to fish, uh, you know, the spring at all. So if you have any interest in coming in here, we're gonna we're gonna put something together. I, I talked to Guru about it. He gave me the lowdown on how it went last year. He said it was a good time. So yeah, hope, hope you like bananas. Good. Bunch of weirdos <laughs> throwing warm rubber bananas. Rubber bananas, <laughs> freaking from weirdos the, from the top rope. You can come stay at the camp at Pymie if you're worried about it. There's no rubber bananas there. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing in Canada. <laughs> Just the All right, boys, this has been a lot of fun. <laughs> All, All right, guys. Guys. Bed. Thanks, Kyle. Later, guys. Thanks, All right, guys. Kyle. Take, take, care. Care. take care, brother. See ya. Later. I had to shake him on my last case. Big O don't play. Big o don't play.